Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen, once again to the Yorkshire Gamers, our elite big war games podcast. And we've uh, stumbled forward towards episode number 40. And this one has been released a couple of weeks after the previous one. And today, my guest is Steve Shan. And Steve is an author and also a painter. And uh, we'll chat with him uh, very shortly about uh, both those things in some detail. Well, we do so a little bit of uh, housekeeping as I always like to do, and I just want to have a little bit of a mention really about the reception to the last episode, the one I did with Martin Kelly from uh, the US about big gaming in America, and uh, I'd had a break of six weeks beforehand, so I wasn't quite sure whether everyone would forgotten what Yorkshire Gamer was etc uh, but the reception is absolutely amazing and would you believe it there was more downloads in the first week uh, of that particular podcast than I normally get in a entire month so uh, thank you very much for that I hope you've come back for another episode if you're a new uh, listener, uh, lovely to have you on board. I was a little bit concerned with having big gaming in the USA that it'd be like Russian bots and that sort of thing. Um, but uh, the statistics that I get is for full downloads, and it also gives you country of origin. And there aren't many Russian ones or countries of unknown origin, which uh, are always a little bit suspicious. So. Welcome on board, everyone. It's lovely to have you with Yorkshire Gamer Podcast. And for you regular listeners, you know what's coming up anyway. So uh, it's uh, going to be a, a long interview, um, very similar to the one I did with Martin Kelly, which was about 2.40, 2 hours and 40. This is slightly longer. And when I started these podcasts, I was very conscious of of trying to get around two hours as, as a maximum. But as time's gone by, you know the feedback I've had from from you people out there who listen to this is you don't really mind a long episode. I put breaks in it so you can stop if you if you want to. Um, and I've also had people say it's fine. It's on in the background. I'm painting. I paint along to the conversation and if it's on for three hours I paint for three hours simple as that so this episode is again as I said three hours maybe uh, I've not put it together yet so I don't know the exact length um, but that's the reason this isn't a short format thing I'm not doing a 10 minute interview with somebody who's trying to sell you something I am doing an interview with somebody from the hobby and uh, we might talk about books or something that they sell but I deep dive into people's hobbies. We do the quiz, etc. Um, I don't want it to be a sales pitch. I want it to be an in-depth interview. And if you come back and listen to it in three or four chunks, great. You know what you're getting. You know what you're getting out there, don't you? Before we start, I'm going to do a quick shout out for a new wargaming podcast, historical wargaming podcast, and that's called On Patrol. And it's uh, a couple of Americans. Uh, called Fighting Kentuckian and Windhurst Productions. And those guys have got together and they've done a single episode so far. Very good. Listened to it um, whilst walking the dog uh, yesterday. And uh, interested to see where they take it. It's uh, it's not, as with any new podcast, it's not really developed its taste or style as yet. Um, and I'll be interested to see where the guys take it. But what I did like about it is they were... 
positive about stuff. It wasn't a, a monathon, and uh, they were reasonably, reasonably okay about big games. But we'll put them right, won't we? <laughs> so uh, if you if you enjoy your podcasts, and I know a lot of you out there do, uh, and I'm always searching for new wargaming content that has a positive slant to it, then uh, give On Patrol a go. Uh, just one episode so far, uh, but hopefully the the, uh, the guys will do some more and uh, we'll see it develop uh, over the coming months. So it's about time we got down to the interview. And just so you're aware, this interview was recorded face-to-face in my Wargames room and using the mobile recording equipment that I have, which is... Not the same as the stuff that I use over the internet. The microphones aren't quite as good. And with anything done um, face-to-face with a little Lavalier lapel mic, levels can go up and down as people's faces move forwards and away from the, the mic. So I've done quite a lot of work trying to get the levels similar all the way through, but it's not perfect by any means. But I'm a war gamer, not a sound engineer at the end of the day. So sit back, get yourself a cup of tea, and uh, you might need a loo break in the middle of this one, but uh, there's a couple of breaks in there for you. And uh, enjoy my chat with Steve Shan. Without further ado, here's interview. Well, hello and welcome everyone to the interview section of the Yorkshire Gamer podcast and we're here for episode number 40 and I've blown the travel budget going to America in the last episode and we're back in Yorkshire. In fact, we're actually in my house. So for the first time ever on my show, my guest is here in my games room. Since coming to Leeds in the 1980s, many of those people who I met at the local War Games Club have gone on to be involved in the War Games industry in some way and today's guest is no exception. He's a big fan of the big game and was a regular intent- attendee at the War Games Holiday Centre in Scarborough and is often visible in the background of the pictures of many huge games run by previous guests Jerry Elliott, Chris Flowers and Richard Harris. But when you look at those tables, you probably won't realise until today that many of the figures that you see there have come from the paintbrushes of my guest. I'm predicting a full-on geek out about paints, techniques and the latter in the later part of the show. However, it's not all about paint because my guest has also written a number of wargaming books, rules, articles, etc. over the years. From Leipzig to Silau Heights and on to the Franco-Prussian War, this lad knows his stuff. So let's welcome my latest guest onto the Yorkshire Gamer podcast and give a re- big welcome to Steve Sham. Hello, Steve. Hi, Ken. How are you? I'm very well, mate. Glad to have you here. Nice Thanks to be for here. coming over. Pleasure. And um, we were just talking before we started. Uh, we're going to have a chat about your Let's Fight Leipzig book uh, later on. Um, but somebody did a video of it, didn't they? They did. They did. <laughs> yes. And uh, I don't know if you uh, saw the bit, but they managed to get your name wrong. Three, in three different ways, in I think. In three different yeah. ways, which is <laughs> yeah. quite spectacular. I'm used to it, yeah. Yeah, so um, it's Steve Shan that we're talking to tonight. So yep. if you've seen that video and you're expecting to speak to <laughs> Steve Sean or Sean Steve or Steve Steve Sean, then tonight I'm afraid it's Steve Shan that we're going to be talking to. <laughs> so... Um, You've never done anything like this before, have you, Steve? Never. No. no. So a little bit of nerves, but don't worry yeah, about that yeah. because uh, lots of my guests who've come on here are podcast virgins, as we like yeah. to call them. So we are very, very gentle. Um, but the first thing we that I want to do is to um, chat about your war games sort of history, if you like, and uh, 
summarise it down into four minutes um, as best you can. Yeah. Uh, some people are dreadful at this. Some people are really good. Um, but we'll see how we get on. And um, and then after we've done that, we'll expand out some topics that come up. All right. Okay. So I'm, I've got me, me button now because we're doing this live. So um, I can press me button and it should record. D.I. Regan telling you to shut up if you go too far, um, unlike my fancy recording equipment behind me, which is crap on the internet, but there we go. So, are you ready, mate? I am. Right, so four minutes starting from now. Right, well, I guess like a lot of your guests, bloke of a certain age, started off with Airfix figures. Uh, Every Saturday morning, get my pocket money from my dad, onto the shop, add another box to the stash, started for me to go on. Um, yeah, and it just gradually went on from there. My dad I had a mate at work who was into wargaming, and he came on one day with a book of um, colonial skirmish rules. And wow. I'd be about 12 at the time, and yeah. these were really sophisticated rules. That's the first time I realised that, oh, this isn't just about knocking them over with marbles, which is what I'd been doing up until then. And then I had a bit of luck. Me and a couple of mates got in with a group who we were playing, funnily enough, about a mile from where I live now in Wakefield. Wow. And they invited us over for this game. And it was a big, big game. I'd seen, you know, a couple of hundred plastic figures unpainted on a table. Mm. These guys had thousands. And we did Linye. And they, yeah, I was 12 or 13 at the time. I didn't know the rules. So they gave me the guard artillery. Nice. Very nice. nice. start. 21 guns. 50 years later, I can still remember it. 21 <laughs> guns in this grand battery <laughs> facing Linya. Yeah. And I just spent the whole weekend blowing the crap, basically, out of every Prussian unit in oh, front of me. Fantastic. No tactical subtlety because I didn't know the rules, but I didn't need any. I just, I just spent the whole weekend <laughs> doing that. But it took me five minutes to do my bit every move. Yeah. And the rest of the time, I did what I've loved doing ever since, mm. just wandering around the table and just mm. gawping at the stuff. And then a bit later on, me and a couple of mates managed to get convince a local vicar to let us use the, oh, the hall. Un, unsupervised, it never happened these days, would it? No. <laughs> and uh, we, we, we'd set up big games and we'd play. But then, you know, I guess like you and a lot of others, university, and then mm. I lived in Spain for a couple of years. Mm. So, that yeah, Wargaming went by the, by the by a little bit. Mm. But when I came back to England, I moved over to Leeds, and that was how I ended up at Leeds Wargames Club, where... Mm. You know, I uh, I met you and yeah. a lot of uh, a lot of uh, the others. So yeah, uh, yeah it's uh, that's that's pretty much that's pretty much what uh, what happened to me. Awesome. I, think, I, I don't really need four minutes. It's you don't pretty, know. That's fine. You know. That's fine. We've got we're going to ex- we're going to explore in detail a lot more some of the other stuff. And uh, you didn't get a police inspector show no. in your ears. I was so going to wait three minutes, did I? Um, two thirty six. Oh, well. that's not too bad at all. Not too, not not too bad at all. Uh, so that um, that first game that you were involved in, mm. um, and uh, that's a very similar story to my own. In that, in that, I the people I met, we were playing Waterloo in twenty mil one seventy second yeah. scale, um, in like the second or third game I ever played on a twenty foot table or something like yeah. that. And it, can you definitely see that that stuck with you, and that's something that's driven you from that moment on? Yeah. Yeah, because I think even at that age, I realised these guys didn't paint these figures overnight. Yeah. Because 
you know, they were really nice guys and they, mm. they saw three young lads that were enthusiastic and they wanted to encourage us in the yeah. hobby. And they gave us a few metal figures to paint. And, oh, wow. You know, I've I sort of painted them one at a time, you know, because <laughs> these, were, these were, I mean, I couldn't afford that kind of thing when I was that age, you know. Yeah. And uh, that made me realise what was involved in, yeah. in producing something like this. Yeah. Are those guys still around, or some of them are? Wow! Yeah, yeah. In fact, in yeah. fact, in fact, one of them came to my house a few weeks ago for a copy of the Lassie book. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, I, I see him at shows every now and then. But yeah, uh, yeah I think it was fifty years ago. It's, That's wonderful, it's, wonderful yeah. to see. And I think um, a lot of friends and people that you know come from this hobby, and you, oh, you know yeah. them for a long, long time. I mean, oh. we must have known each other for over thirty years. I would yeah. Think. Yeah, so it's yeah. you know, even though we might not see each other for ten years, we, yeah. we uh, <laughs> well, I have, I mean, I've I've known a lot of the lads longer than I've known my wife. Yeah, 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 which, yeah. exactly, exactly. So that Linney was your, your your first game and your first introduction into into the into the big games. Yeah. So what did you start collecting then? What was kind of your first armies that you <sighs> went into? Well. To be honest, all I could afford really at that age was six mil stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I used to sort of try and pick mm. that up. But I think that was probably later on. I think it was still the pl- the plastics yeah. and trying to paint those up and mm. maybe try and build up the odd battalion of metal figures as I could. Yeah. You know, I used to get them given from some of the lads, you know, some of the older guys. As I said, they were really supportive. But uh, So would it have been um, Heroics and Ross in those days, six mil? Yeah, I think they yeah. were, yeah. Because they were, I had uh, quite a few ancient armies in six mil yeah. around that time. Again, cost, space, etc. Yeah, definitely. Um, they were still massive and still huge for my mum's kitchen table, which yeah. was kind of the first battlefield that I could get hold of on a regular basis. Yeah. So now then, um, have you got a setup at home? Have you got a war games room? Yeah, I've, I've got the cellar. Oh, nice. excellent. Yeah. Downstairs. Yeah, yeah, out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the problem is that it doubles as a workroom so you know every Monday when we normally play on a Monday I've got to clear all the stuff off the table yeah set out the game and then when the lads have gone home clear the yeah. table get all my paints out again right. yeah but yeah it's, it's better than nothing yeah. exactly so we'll talk about the paint setup and everything a bit later on in the show but what's your gaming setup at home then how big's your table how many people come around how does that work um, the table's 10 by 6, so yep. it's, you know, it's a decent yeah. size. Um, it, because it's in the cellar, a bit of a low ceiling, you know, mm. four or five people's pretty much. Do you, have a, do you have a height limit on people yes. who can come? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, if, you're, if you're much more than 6'2", you're going to That's struggle. That's it, you're out. Yeah. You're out. How does Richard get on? Does he come down? He bangs his head a lot. Does yeah. he? Yeah. Uh, that's Richard Harris that's, from uh, yeah. the uh, Legendary War Games who I've spoken to a couple of times on the show. He's a, if you've not met him, um, he's a tall lad. Yes, uh, he is. And uh, he wouldn't squeeze under... He doesn't squeeze under normal doors very well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, do you do most of your gaming at home then? Or do you go to a club or where else do you go? It's, yeah, pr- mo- mostly at home. Um, and one of your previous guests, you know, Chris Flowers, yeah. I go to his house uh, mm. for, for bigger games, yeah. uh, maybe on a weekend. Yeah. Because um, I think he plays on a Thursday, but, you know, some of us still have to work for a living. So I've... Yeah, no, it's, this is the, uh, I think we talked we talked about the <coughs> retirement group midweek. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And the, the, the ones that don't go to church who can go on a Sunday. Yes, was, <laughs> that's right. It was yeah. kind of a heaven and hell yeah. split there somewhere. And um, you used to come along to the Leeds War Games Club. That's kind yeah. of dropped off now. Is that because you've got your own space? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. To be fair, it probably is. Mm. I mean, you know what it's like mm. you know, when when you've got young kids as well. Mm. I mean, and 
you, you're working and I ran a junior football team for 10 years. Yes, and, you did, yeah. yeah, yeah that, that, God, that took up some time. <laughs> well, I mean, pretty much every Saturday morning and every Sunday, yeah. you know, for the matches. So, mm. it, it, yeah, it was it was pretty, pretty hectic, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. So, we're going to talk in detail about a lot of periods and stuff later on. Um, but if you kind of had to summarise what you were into in terms of wargaming, mm. at a specific periods, broad range of history, what do you kind of go for? Um yeah, I suppose sort of standard horse and musket, you know, 1700 yeah. to 1900. Mm. I like Second World War, I do a fair bit of that. Yeah. Um, one of my to do, something on my to do list is uh, First World War as well. Oh, right, okay. I, I, yeah. Well, I'm a, I'm a big Lardy fan, I, I, yes. I like their rules, and yeah. I, through the mud and the blood, I, mm. I like the look of. And uh, that, I say that's on my to do list. To do list. Yeah. yeah. Not yet. So you don't, you don't, um, you're not drifting back into time, into. Spear chucking and all that sort of stuff, as we like to call it. <laughs> well, I, I I play that at Chris's if we go to his house, Chris Lyle's house. Yeah. But um, it's not it's not a period I know anything about, so I'm quite happy to play it. I, I yeah. enjoy it, but it's it's not something I'm really invested in, you know. Yeah. But you've got um, you, you know, we'll, we'll talk in detail about your books, but you've written about, from my memory, mostly that horse and musket, some into the later horse and musket as well, Franco-Prussian, that yeah, sort of stuff. Yeah. Is that your kind of go-to period or is it split out? Do you, do you like, do you go, Frank, right, Steve, you've got to do this. Oh, Franco-Prussian. Or would you go Napoleonic or how well, well, it's a bit weird really because Franco-Prussian, it's, it's probably the one thing I, I really do know something about. Yeah. But, but I, I've never wargamed it. Right. Okay. No, yeah. I've, I've never won. I, I, I can't. I, I think it's because I do know quite a lot about it that I, I can't find a way of doing it that I'm. You happy? I'm with happy it. with. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Like with ancient warfare, I mean, we use we use hail Caesar. You know, I, I'm. I don't know anything about the period, so yeah. I, it doesn't rub up. It doesn't rub me up the yeah. wrong way. If any, whatever <laughs> happens, really, you know, because I don't know any better. Yeah. So that's fine. But um, yeah, I, I guess probably the Napoleonic period, mm. um, American War of Independence. I'm really keen on. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting point of view. I've not really thought of that before in that can you um, know too much about a period that it then subsequently puts you off wargaming? <laughs> well, it, it has put... I, I honestly couldn't tell you why. I, I, I like to feel when I'm playing a period that I'm playing a period. Yeah. It's not... I think this is why I don't go in for sort of more generic rule sets mm. to cover like a 200-year period. Yeah. Because I want that period... Yeah. Yeah. you know granularity about it it feels different mm. and I think with Franco-Prussian it's it's difficult because it's just it's quite a complex sort of system of fighting you know it's, it's, it's much much longer ranges and it, it's difficult to cross open ground and it, it's difficult to sort of reflect that in a war game you know it, it, obviously it happened in, in the real battles but mm. to, to reflect it on the war game table, I've never been able to do it in a way yeah. I'm comfortable with do you find that people uh, or rules that you've seen for Franco-Prussian War um, are tending to count it as an extension of the Napoleonic period in what they're trying to do with the rule. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think to some extent that is true. It, yeah. Yeah. Or maybe, or maybe the American Civil War. Right. Yes. Yeah. That was, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Maybe that a bit more. Mm. But it's I don't know. I, it, it, it's one of those. It, it's that kind of conflict where. They're, they're trying to get away from the Napoleonic formations and tactics, but they can't quite manage it. Right. But they've got weapons that 
mean you you really ought to try <laughs> you know because it's <laughs> it, it's it's not safe yeah um and I, I think i think that's what i find difficult to, mm. to model on 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 the table i mean you could you could do i think there's a set of rules called is it bloody big battles yes Neil they, they Thomas, look, is it? That, yeah. yeah they look pretty interesting because yeah. i think he takes it from quite a high command level and and, yeah. and does it that way and yeah. I, I think that that sounds yeah. promising a couple of a couple of people have mentioned that on here before right. um a friend of mine stephen barker who's the author and historian he's just got back into wargaming He's using those, and, mm. and he's full of praise for oh, them. So right. it, oh, it's not something I've looked at, and it's something that I'll, I'll probably need to get my hands on and have a look at. Um, but I think that when you're passionate about a period and you know a lot about it, you can be a little bit defensive about it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've had that recently with the Italian wars, because it's kind yes. of it's like, it's my period, I know what it's... And then... This this never mind the Bill Hooks War as the Roses set suddenly <clears throat> sticks in as an as an addendum. Yes, like eighteen pages, and it's like that's my favourite period. <laughs> yeah. You can't do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I'm used to it with Frank of Puss and Wasp concerned. Yeah. When people say what 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 you're really interested in, I tell them like, oh okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and do you think that that is um, down to a lack of British involvement? I, th- I think it's more down to a lack of British books, right? Because yeah. th- there's there's just so little available. I mean, I, I you know, it's just one of those sort of serendipity things. I just hit lucky that when yeah. I came back from Spain, my dad was uh, a mature student at Leeds University, mm. and he said, uh, "He said, look, I'm, I'm going in tomorrow. To, I've got some work to do in the library. Why don't you come in? Yeah, have a look around." So I thought, well, "Why not?" And while he was doing what he was doing, I, I was just wandering around the, the stacks, mm. having a look, and I just turned a corner, and there was about four shelves. Packed wow, with stuff, but it was the right stuff. Yeah, it was all the the French general staff account with all the after action reports and the, the just unbelievable detail. Yeah, and I, I was sort of gainfully unemployed at the time, so mm. I was down there every day, just making notes, <laughs> yeah. and and that's really how how it all started. Because mm. I, I, mean, I started off with Michael Howard's book, which you know, most people have, have come across that yeah. they've got any interest in it, mm. but I couldn't find much else um, until. <laughs> until I turned up there yeah. and yeah it was a, bit, it was a game changer I, yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's an issue I mean obviously recently I've I've been doing the Garibaldi stuff yeah. that I knew absolutely nothing about mm. until I started uh, doing that Italian Wars stuff there's very little in the English language that's, yeah. that's new yeah. there's a lots of books but they're all people copying off other ones and there's <laughs> yeah, nothing exactly. new in it um, and speaking to my previous guest uh, Martin Kelly he's He's very keen on getting books in the source language, yeah. so Italian books, are, and he's finding loads of really interesting stuff in those books. So yeah. It's definitely, yeah. definitely it's, something it, to look the, for. The language is always is always going to be a barrier, you know. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, I don't speak German, and my French is okay. I mean, it's good enough for what I need. It's yeah. It, it, if, if you're really interested in the period, it it, it is difficult because there yeah. isn't that much in English. Yeah, I, um, regular listeners to this will know that. All my foreign language skills are absolutely atrocious. <laughs> and um, I can probably order a coffee in about three languages. Yeah. And, and that's it. And then um, I, I know the phrase that basically says, apologies, I'm English and I can't speak your language. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a useful one. Yeah. <laughs> Which is always a way forward. Rule-wise then, what, um, what sort of rules do you go for? Uh, in the grand manner, I take it, you're still into those? Or have you gone off them that's, now? That's that's a bit of a bit of a bone of contention. Oh really. dear! Yeah, you, you've you've struck a bit of a sore spot there because uh, <laughs> there's a bit of a running battle at the moment. Okay, with, uh, oh, this is interesting. Yeah, I 
the linear game I mentioned, yeah. um, the rules they were using were pretty much mm. um, in the grand manner, one of, yeah. one of the very early versions. And at the time, they were, they were yeah. revolutionary. I remember going to a show after, not long after I got back from Spain and uh, Pete Gilder was actually running it. And yeah. I, I joined in and played for like a couple of terms. Mm. And compared to what was available, yeah. you know, the sort of WRG, which not really aimed at big battles, they were revolutionary. But it's, you know, the 40-odd the years old. They are, yes. And you're reminded us how old we are. Yeah, well, exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, you know, we're the best one in the world. They still work. Yeah. It's just for the really big games, um, I think they're a bit a bit, a bit, bit process-heavy. They're a bit slow. Um, some, most of the guys don't agree. They're quite yeah. happy to spend yeah. two or three days playing a game. Which, <laughs> if you're retired and you've got the time, that's yeah, lovely. That's fine, I, yeah. I like to get a result within a weekend if I can. Yeah. So, yeah. So what, what have you moved towards then in terms of rules? What sort of style um, or any particulars? Well, as I said, I'm, I'm quite a fan of the Lardy rules. Mm. I, I, like, I like the friction in their rules. I like card-driven rules. Yes. Yeah, um, Yeah. I want to do, you don't want to use them all the time, but I think they, they make a nice change. I like that the way that there's no um, there's no move sequence. Yes. It, you haven't got that, that security blanket to hold on to. Yeah. You know, that, he, he's fired at me now, so he can't fire at me okay, yeah. for at least half an hour. <laughs> yeah. You know, you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. You've got to manage yeah. the game as it as it as it develops. Um, so I, I do quite like that. So I've tried writing a couple of sets of rules myself just to sort of you know factor that into the kind of games I'm playing. Um, so yeah, Lardy rules. Um, I, I like Dave Brown's rules. I, I, I thought uh, General Darme were a, were a really really nice set yeah, of rules. Yeah, I mean, we've, were... we've we've played General of the Brigade quite yeah. a lot. Um, mm. And uh, we had a go of O group last night. Yeah, I like those as well. They, yeah. they're, they're very good. Yeah, they are. Um, and I think Dave seems to have bridged that gap between the older generation of rules and the newer ones. Uh, yeah, I'd agree with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. really, a lot of modern sets of rules, I find that there's not a lot of detail in there. No. Whereas Dave's has got the detail in, but when you actually come to play the game, it's a relatively simple process but it, it brings the detail in. Yeah, I, I, I thought General Darnay did that yeah. in spades, really, because you've got that granularity. You've, you've still got infantry battalions firing volleys. You've even yeah. got skirmishes. Yeah. Um, but it's not really abstracted. You know, you, you yeah. feel like you're, you, yeah. you're doing that sort of nuts and bolts mm. you know, of, the, of the battle. Yeah, yeah. so, yeah, I'd agree. He's got, he's got a second edition coming out, hasn't he? Yeah, yes, so, I think he has, yeah. 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 Um, whether whether I'll, I, I've... Saw something that there was a lot of factors are coming out and it's been more dice based. So yeah. whether I'm going to like that or not, I don't know. No, I, I, I heard some rumours that was the way it was going, which I thought was a pity because I thought you'd got the balance yeah, right. I, yeah, I, I did as well. Yeah, and yeah. Um, it's one of those things where you think it just needs a tweak rather than yeah, um, cutting up rewrite, and shaking yeah. up and, yeah. um, and a complete rewrite. But, yeah. but there we go. There we go. Where do you get your stuff from then? Where do you buy your hobby purchases? Have you got a shop that you go to or an online store that you use all the time? Um, or do you blag them off, mates? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I can. Yeah, if I can. No, I, I, I usually go straight to the manufacturer. Or, of course, Partizan. You know, yeah. That's, that's my... Two, two, twice a year. Is that the shopping, shopping trip? Yeah, it's a shopping trip and then a, a good five-hour gulp yeah. at, the, uh, at the games. Yeah, yeah. a small... Sort of seven and a half ton truck. Yeah, exactly. That's sort of thing, yeah. Twice a year. Then, yeah. <laughs> do you spend um, a lot of time at shows, or do you concentrate on partisan? Um, I've never gone to loads, but to be honest, now it is pretty much partisan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're nicely spaced out, and you yeah. know, what is it, May and it's October now, isn't it? Yeah. So they changed it, but yeah, it does seem to it does seem to attract 
Um, I'm, getting, I'm going to get in trouble for this. <laughs> I'm going to say it. The best of the games in yeah. terms of visual appeal. And, and, and I think, and I've said this before, there's nothing wrong with gaming however you want to game. But if I'm paying to see you game, Mm. I want to see a good table. Yeah, I can go to the club on a Wednesday night, and it doesn't cost me anything. Yeah, but but you know what I mean. I do. Um, and I can I can see two mates playing a game across the table. It doesn't really matter what it looks like. Yeah. So do you enjoy that wandering around and having a look at the tables and seeing what people are doing? I do because I think probably the biggest enjoyment for me, apart from obviously the company, mm. is the way a game looks. Yeah. And it's you just get endless inspiration at parties, aren't you? Yeah. I don't know whether it's true, but I I I've heard that uh, Duncan used to take a lot of the photos yes, at the show, did, and, yeah, yeah. and I think that just encouraged people to sort of up their game with the hope <laughs> yeah. that they'd end up in the magazine. You know, yeah. but why not? Yeah. yeah, why not? Why not? Indeed, and it's um it's a very well run show. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm always impressed with it. What um, do you think of the venue? Um, I never. There's there's a long and funny story that I've told before about um, me failing to get to Kellam Hall. Oh, it was it was like it was a um a curse. Yeah. Um so I would always be working on that on that day and right. I couldn't get it off or something would happen on the Friday night and I couldn't get there. And one famous occasion I got within 20 miles of the um of the venue and my phone went and it was work and I had to go back. <laughs> and, and those people who know what I do when that phone goes, I have to go back. There's no, yeah. Um, yeah sorry, I'm going somewhere. It's right. like, well, right, I'm on my way back now. Um, so I never got there. And right. then since it's gone to the new, is it Stevenson Hall? I can never remember yes, the name of it. it. I think yeah, it's yeah. Stevenson Hall. I, I've been quite a few times, and I I enjoy it because you you get the great games. You all you get um, a big mix of people from the north and south because it's in the middle. Yeah. Um, and there's always people to talk to there that I probably wouldn't get to say to see at Fiasco or any of the Northern shows. Yeah, I I, I have a sore throat the day after every yeah. partisan because I see people like that's the only time I see him. Yeah, yeah, it's it's nice to be there. And and just a reminder for the uh, War Games Press because I know some of you listen. There are shows north of Nottingham. <laughs> just in case you missed it, there are shows north of Nottingham. Just in case you didn't know, but we'll just drop that one in. Uh, so that's uh, another five or six emails generated there, just by that one comment. <laughs> but we don't mind emails on the show. We don't mind them at all. Most of them are quite positive, to be fair. So we'll just uh, we'll just finish off this section now, and we talk about the thing called the Venn diagram of wargaming mm. that you've heard about uh, on the show before. Um, and it's just a nice little way I found of kind of summarising where people sit in in the wargaming hobby. Because you have people who solely drive to the game. You have people like me. I mean, you sat here, and there's a 12 by 6 table that's literally held up with figures. <laughs> um, so I'm a collector and a painter. Mm. So wargamer, painter, collector, historian. How do you feel about those four, and how do they fit together? Uh, they all apply. Mm. Um, even though I've been painting for a living for over 30 years, mm. I've never considered myself to be a painter. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> it, for me, it's a means to an end. You know, I, I want to get figures on the table. Yeah. I can't afford to pay somebody else to do it, so, <laughs> so I'll do it myself. Yeah. It's not. It's not. I don't mind it. I mean, it, you know, it's better than you know working in an office or yeah. you know being a teacher or any other job I might have done. Sure. It's, uh, it suits me fine. Um, but yeah, it's a means to an end. It's either making a living or 
getting mm. figures on the table to play. I'm, I'm a war gamer more than I'm a painter or a, a collector. Mm. Yeah. But do you, um, and I think you do, um, enjoy the history side of it as well? Because you were talking yeah. earlier on about being in the university and looking at all those books and seeing them and gravitating to the, the really good ones, as you called them. Yeah. Is that is that a drive as well, that? research yeah. and, and yeah, looking into yeah it definitely is i mean i i mentioned i, I was thinking of doing world war one you know the um mm. the, the lardy rules yeah. just through the mud and the blood i've already bought half a dozen ospreys just to do a bit of background <laughs> reading right before I, before i even start i haven't bought a figure yet but, yeah uh, yeah I, I do like to sort of know a little bit about what's going on yeah. i had a a really big uh grand alliance you know nine years war collection oh yes yeah and uh, um, i it, it's really nice i was i was really pleased with it but there's, there's no material out there. It's worth in the Franco-Prussian War. You can't find anything. <laughs> so I ended up selling it to, yeah. a, to a guy in Germany because I, I, I couldn't, I didn't know enough about what I was trying to do. And so it, it didn't hold my interest for that mm. reason. But yeah. And as time has gone by then, um, with the, the history and the uniform side of things, do you still gravitate towards books or have you now started to use the internet as a, as a main resource? How do the two mix together? Well, I, I'm old enough to prefer yeah. hard hand. copy in my handbook that I can I've sit down. I've paid and, for it. I want something I can hold. Yeah. The, where the internet has made a massive difference, yeah. along with digital printing, is being able to get hold of stuff. Because mm. I used to get catalogues sent from all over, particularly all over France, when yeah. I was looking for some of the more detailed special mm. stuff. And every now and then I'd find something, but it was very hit and miss. Yeah. Whereas now you can go on the internet and mm. somebody, somebody will have reprinted it somewhere. There's a company in India that yeah. reprints all sorts of obscure yeah. stuff. Yeah. I've, got, I've got dozens and dozens of books from that. So, the, yeah. um, I found, um, and um, though we're in Yorkshire, I don't mind paying for books. Just yeah. get that out now. But um, I did go online looking, I was looking for, because I'm really interested in the Mesopotamian campaign in World War One because yeah. I had family members who, who fought in it, mm. um, and I can't remember. It's some uh, university or learning establishment in the Middle East. They have the official histories as PDF downloads oh, because wow. they. I mean, they're over. Is it seventy-five years or hundred years? I can't remember. There's a cutoff point, isn't there, where a, a book becomes. The author no longer yeah, gets royalties. It's just, it's just public property. That's yeah. yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'm not. Everyone listening, I'm not cheating. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. No. Um, so I found you know that extremely useful just because they're, they're really the Imperial War Museum did a reprint a few years ago, so you can get them now. But mm. originally, you know, you were, you were kind of in a secondhand bookshop in the middle of you know Wales in the 1980s, and you might find one yeah. next to. Cookery with yeah exactly <laughs> with yeah, something, yeah. You know, you oh know. the number of book fairs I've been to and found yeah. nothing but every now and then you 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 hit you hit yeah. the jackpot yeah. the, the, I, I came across something on online a, a French site Gallia I think it was called okay. and th- they've got literally thousands of books on sort of the Napoleonic Wars Franco Prussian mm. you, know, you know mainly French history mm. and you, you can just download them it's, yeah yeah you just, it's, you to, it's fantastic it, it's fantastic incredible. resource there was. Um, Somebody arguing with me on the internet yesterday, which happens mm. regularly, mm. Uh, about a certain vehicle at Kursk. And um, a few years ago, I found an American study um, that lists every single vehicle at Kursk. And when it was in service, this is on a daily basis, yeah. whether it was in service, damaged, destroyed, being repaired. or it, uh, So I just went, well, I think you'll actually find on this. The, the, 
No, I've got my, my new favourite saying now is it's not my first sheepdog trial. Because <laughs> we don't have many rodeos in Yorkshire. So no. it's no point saying it's my first rodeo. <laughs> yeah. rodeo. But that's, it's opened up a new thing for people, hasn't it? It makes research a lot easier. It makes communicating with other people a lot easier yeah. as well. You know, you come across somebody who maybe, and you can contact them easily with with an email, and you get yeah. a reply within a day, and yeah. it, it just makes life so much yeah. easier. Yeah. yeah, it does without a shadow of a doubt. Um, so, just to before we finish this section off, um, social media—it's it, not your big thing. No. Are you are you on? I think you're on Facebook, aren't you? Well, only in the sense that. You have there's lot, there's lot, yeah, I do. There's <laughs> lots of stuff on Facebook that I, I like to look at, yeah. but I don't, I don't, I don't use it in that. Sense. I mean, you, you know, you see, I mean, some some games you see, yeah, and you think, oh, that's fantastic, and you put a comment on, you know, it's a really yeah. nice game. But yeah. that, that's that's it. That's really. it yeah. Yeah. Do you? I mean, we'll talk about you, the the painted and stuff in the final section. But do you have a a website for that, or is that all done word of mouth? Um, I, I I started a blog about. 12 or 13 years ago yeah. with uh, Nations in Arms and yeah, I, I get I, I get a few people following that and yeah. that's just my own, my own amusement I just post things on you know figures I've painted or mm. maybe maybe there's something I'm working on you know but yeah. I don't I don't post very often I'm, I'm a bit of a disgrace really <laughs> well you're working man mate you need to yeah well that's what I keep telling you so <laughs> it's, a, it's a pathetic excuse you, you can always find time if you really want yeah, to yeah, yeah. You, you probably can you yeah. probably can well thanks very much for that introduction Steve uh, very good uh, thanks for that and uh, ladies and gentlemen we'll be back in a moment and we're going to talk about big games <laughs> Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're back for the second part of the show, and as regular listeners will know, it's all about the big game. It's in the title, so if you're surprised, um, I'd check your understanding of English language is probably uh, the way to look at it. Um, so the question that I start this off with everyone, Steve, is uh, is what does a big game mean to you? What does it conjure in your mind? Um, I think what I find exciting about them is it's mm. something that I can't do on my own, <laughs> <laughs> by, by definition, really. Because yeah, I've got, I'm lucky I've got a ten foot table, but it's okay. But yeah. a big game is is bigger than that. Yeah, and it's it's multiple people, mm. hopefully people you've known for a long time. Yeah. Um, when we first started at the Leeds Club, um, a group of us would do the shows at Derby and Sheffield. Mm. You remember those? Yeah, yeah. The, oh, what was the, the Sheffield venue? The, the Octagon. Octagon, yeah. yeah. It was like a rabbit warren, wasn't it? But Amazing. Fantastic place. And yeah. I, I used to look forward to that every yeah, year. Yeah, I did as well. And uh, we'd put on, we'd decide what we were going to do, mm. you know, a big game and the planning of it, painting figures for it, which often boiled down to me doing yeah. most of them, making the terrain and just, just looking forward to it. And then you've got two days of just playing. Yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm, uh, there's a guy who was uh, quite heavily involved in in the show, um, who's going to come on in a, in a few months' time, um, and I'm really looking forward to talking about those glory days of triples mm-hmm. because I had that same feeling. I really looked forward to it, yeah. and there was a character to the venue, whereas now, I mean, yeah, it was difficult to find stuff mm. and everything was all over the place. Parking was terrible. Parking was <laughs> terrible. Nowadays, I I think that. Most shows are in some soulless barn, yeah. Uh, and you know, even parties aren't. Mm. You know, there's not a lot of. It's handy and it's yeah. convenient. But yeah, yeah. It's lost the soul that it had at Callum Hall. Even mm. though, I mean, I know as we said earlier, I yeah. never made it. Um, but apparently, the lighting was absolutely dreadful. <laughs> lovely building, lovely venue, but yeah, the lighting was terrible. I mean, when that must be what 
16th, 17th century, was it? I don't know how long was it. Yeah, yeah I think oh, it's an old seminary, wasn't it? I think. Yeah, uh, so you can you can probably imagine in 1760 the lighting in there wasn't particularly good either. No, it's not, <laughs> it's it's not candles, designed no, for no. that at, at all, is it? Does scale make a difference to you with a big game in terms of figures? The, that, the size of the figures? Mm. <sighs> well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a bit. 28. That's 28. Yeah. 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 Um, Because I've seen some stuff recently that um, Jerry Elliott springs to mind. Yeah. um, And he's doing how, in my perception, big games should be done in small scales. Mm. In that he's using a similar footprint and putting more figures on it. And that does look good. Yeah. That that does look good. Gives it something else. And is that the appeal for you then? that, That. Friends, time together. Yeah, I mean, in general terms, I'm I'm probably not the most sociable person in the world, to be honest. <laughs> but you know, th- th- when you get together with a group of guys you've known for a long mm. time, it's, it's a hobby you, you all you all love, and yeah, you know, you get all these lovely figures out on equally lovely terrain, and mm. yeah, just for a couple of days, just forget everything that's going on around you, and just yeah. do you find that that additional time? allows you to explore a, a battle in more detail. I think it's more difficult now because the, the two-day show seems to have gone, yeah, gone doesn't yeah, it, really? Sad, really? Yeah, it is because, I mean, I'm not, to be honest, I'm not sure we could manage it now because mm. it's bloody hard work, as I remember. But, you know, you have to sort of get up at very early on Saturday morning and then it's we, down there, set up, play, yeah. back home, then same again the next day. We did those little electric wheelchairs to go around it. <laughs> yeah, you're not joking. <laughs> I think we would. But so yeah, so I think with like one day, you, you're still limited what you can do. It doesn't matter how big the table is. Yeah. You've only got maybe, if you're lucky, four or five hours playing yeah. time. So yeah, that, that is a bit of a, of a limiting mm. factor. But and you're more, I think, on a on a one day show, you you've got more interaction with the public than you than yeah. and it, it, it's what used to you would get over two days is now compacted into one day. Yeah. Um. So, um, it's very difficult for you to move the game on. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, that's what we're there for at the end of the day, mm. to promote the hobby. So, I mean, yeah. you, you can't you can't just ignore the public. Yeah. I mean, it's... Yeah. Like, some of them you can. Yeah, well, some, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's always one, isn't there? But, yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I, we put on a game at Partizan, oh, it's quite a few years back now, and I, I noticed while we were playing, the same guy kept coming back every 40 minutes, an hour, yeah. to, and he'd just have a look at the game and he'd wander off and mm. come back. And, at the end of the day, he came over. He said, um, "No, it's a really nice game. Really enjoyed that." I said, mm. uh, he said, "What I enjoyed most was, was listening to you yeah. <laughs> taking the piss out of each other all day." Yeah. Yeah. He said, "You've obviously known each other a long time." He said, "He said where I live, there aren't any war gamers." So, oh, that's a shame. You know, that's a shame. I yeah. do, I do feel for people who are quite isolated in this yeah. hobby, and I, I know some people listen to this podcast and. It's kind of a connection with other war gamers who they might not necessarily get to see. Mm. Um, and I'm in a similar position to you in that I've had a group of friends who I've gamed with all virtually all my life who are some of my best friends as mm. well. Mm. Um, and, and that that aspect of it does make a huge difference, doesn't it? Well, it does. I mean, you know, stuff happens in everybody's life, doesn't it? Mm. You know, you have low points, and it's it's just something that's always there. It's that one constant, you know. Yeah. That, you can always disappear off to the war games room and paint a few figures and exactly, you know. exactly. So you know, um, 
you, you know, your partners will bugger off and leave you for somebody else, but your oh, figures oh. will always be there. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so what, um, if I asked you then what some of the big games that you've played in mm. that kind of spring to mind as being, yeah, that was a cracker. I think the first one I did at the Wargames Holding Centre was Leipzig. Mm. And that, Start that's... small. Yes, yes, that's a statue <laughs> me to go on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's that's just a belter of a game. Yeah, I uh, really enjoyed. It. I, was, I was playing against uh, Pete Morby of Eight ah, Minutes. Yes, the whole weekend. yeah, yeah. He, he had the French guard, the yeah. entire French guard. So it was quite a hard weekend, but yeah. great, great fun. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, episode nine, ladies and gentlemen. Pete yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was pretty good. I, I, I was lucky enough to be invited to the 175th anniversary of the Waterloo at the oh, Games Holiday yes. Centre yeah. when. Peter was there, you know, Peter Gilder was there, yeah. it was his last game. And mm. uh, yeah, that was bittersweet, really, because I mean, mm. it was a fantastic game. And yeah. he was so bloody cheerful. I mean, he, yeah. he, he was pretty much paralyzed. I mean, you know, we were, mm. we were having to feed him, even, you know, just you could just see the pleasure he was still getting from the hobby. Even, yeah. you know, I mean, I think, he, I think he died a few months later, but yeah, that, that was. Uh, that, that taught me something, I think, that, you know, no matter how bad things are, you can still enjoy yeah. wargaming. Uh, I've spoken to a, a few people now who, who were at that game. Mm. And um, although it, it is tinged with sadness in that it was Peter's last game, he had a last game and he did seem to enjoy it. Well, he did. I mean, as it, as it panned out towards the end of the, the game, he, he, he was commanding him. Somebody else was moving the figures through, mm. but he was commanding the French Guard Cavalry. And I'd got some British like cavalry brigades opposite him, and we were fighting this yeah. series of cavalry melees. And, mm. you know, I mean, even somebody else had to throw the dice for him, but yeah. he was still looking at the dice and counting up how many sixes <laughs> there were, m- making sure I was throwing the right number of yeah. dice as well, probably. Yeah, but, uh, I think it was competitive to the end. But... Oh, brilliant. So, when did you first meet Peter then? Um, I think it was Leipzig, which was quite a few years before. I mean, I, yeah, I, yeah it, was, it, was, it was quite a long time before. Mm. And, uh, yeah, because he, he, was, he was still running the centre then. Mm. And uh, I think like everybody else, you, know, you walk through the doors. And yeah. Even when you've seen big games, you, you haven't seen anything like that. Because it, it's not just the tables. It's mm. just the fact that this is this is for you. This is this is a purpose-built facility yeah. for you to use. It's the cabinets on the wall and... You're full of figures. I think I think I've spoken to a few people now and got them to um, describe that feeling as they as they go through the door. And yeah. everyone everyone is the same. It's just like wow. If yeah. it, if it's your if this is your hobby, you can't. I don't think you can fail to have walked through that door and just had your jaw drop on the floor. No. Well, if I if I die and I'm proved wrong and I go to heaven, yeah, it'll be sort of you know, this is, <laughs> <laughs> this is all right. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was. It was. It was amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm sure if he made it upstairs, yeah. um, <laughs> listen to uh, the episode of Robbie Roddice, yeah, if you yeah. want to decide which way you went up or down, um, that that he'll have his own war game centre up in up in heaven, which would be a perfect place for 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 the, the likes of us to go. So, were you fairly regular at the war games holiday centre? How often would you go? Oh no, I mean, if I went every couple of years, you know, yeah, but I, I went enough that you know, I. I'm, mm. I really appreciated the place, and I went when when Mike Ingham took over. Yeah. Went a few times. I think we did a big D Day game there once, and mm. uh, oh, oh, that's what we, we play tested the game before he actually put it on at the centre. Oh, okay. And he did um, bouts. And that that was uh, that was a good that was a good punch up as well. That was, that was he invited a few people. It was mainly the sods, you know, the the yeah. Celio lads mm. yeah. uh, that went up there, and uh, mm. we play tested that for him, and that that was good. Did you were you part of the Leeds War Games Club that? Group that used to go up. Did you go up there, or did you go up on separate weekends? Um, no, I, I, I think I went with 
I went with them once when we did the, the, the big D-Day game. Yeah. But no, other than that, I think I went either on my own or with uh, with, with, with one friend. Yeah. yeah. Oh, interesting. I didn't know whether you were part of the uh, the Leeds crowd who used to go. Because I never used to go. I, I, I was no. always a bit short on money at the time. Yeah, well, so me too, yeah. It was, uh, <laughs> it was a little bit out of my reach at the time. Yeah. As Wargaming's gone over the years, we seem to be getting smaller and smaller on the tables mm. um, and what have you. Um, what do you think that drive is? Is it coming from manufacturers or where do you think it's coming from? Do you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I've heard a lot of people talking about this recently. and mm. You know, they talk about short attention spans and mm. sort of instant gratification, all the rest of it. But I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Mm. I believe that. I, mean, I think if you're coming into any hobby, yeah, you, you need you need to get in there and, and get your feet wet as yeah. quick as possible. And yeah. you know, no matter how much money you've got, you, you're not going to be able to get the, the kind of setup you know you and I are lucky to have yeah. now. Uh, so yeah, you've got to start somewhere. Mm. But I, I suppose it depends how passionate you are about the hobby. I mean, you know, there were there were golfers and there were golfers, there were war games and there were war games. Yeah. Some you know, some people it's something they do once they're mm. with their friends at the club and they, they I, get on with the rest of their lives. But I, th- I think the pair, I think the pair of pair of us had that very similar experience early on. In that I got into uh, the group I got playing with initially back in Cheshire was huge tables. That yeah. experience of you playing mm. Linyi. I wasn't frightened of that experience. No. Did it and it encouraged you to definitely? Yeah, yeah. I mean, w- w- I mean, I, when I first met you know Chris Flowers that we were talking mm. about earlier, and, and he's he playing with with the Sods uh, mm. then the, that Celio group. I mean, I, I looked at the setup they had, and I mean, it's just thousands of figures, Amazing. very nicely painted yeah. as well, custom built terrain, yeah. and I thought this is what I want, mm. but. I had the wit to realise it wasn't going to happen overnight. You know, yeah. you, you've got to think long term. I think in this in this hobby, I, I don't have a problem with that. I, mm. you know, I, I'm a big believer in deferred gratification. I think, oh, you know, like that word. Yeah, I, I think am. I think if you if you, yeah. I, I like planning projects. Mm. They don't always come off, but mm. that that part of it, I think. Well, this is what I need to start. Get it on the table, and then I need to expand it by doing this, that, or the yeah. other. So yeah, I I just think eight but I don't think in generalise it comes down to individual people and yeah, yeah, what yeah. they want. It, it it surprises me and I talked about this with um with Nick Skinner. Um and I I appreciate Nick isn't isn't the big businessman when it comes to wargaming. No. But I kind of said if Two Fat Lardies sold figures, would their rules be for bigger games? <laughs> that's a sneaky question it is a yeah. sneaky question and, and bless him Nick he took it very well um, <laughs> but that's what I you know you spend all this money um, getting people into your period or your game through Kickstarter or however you do mm. it and then it, it just stops whereas I, I think if you've got somebody hooked yeah you know you uh, probably the wrong metaphor to use or the wrong um, thing to use but if you've just sold somebody some drugs and they've got it, <laughs> then you don't walk away. You no. go, would you like some more drugs? I, I think the one thing that has changed in the last sort of, I don't know, maybe 10 years mm. is, is the turnover of mm. stuff. I mean, I remember when, when like, for example, Rapid Fire Rules yeah. came out. I'd been following what Colin and, and Richard had been doing in the magazines. And mm. as soon as they came out, I bought them and I introduced the, the rest of the lads to them and we, we took them straight yeah. away and we still use them, mm. you know, 25 years later. Yeah. I think now stuff comes out and it's it's popular for a year or two and it just seems to fade. Goes, yeah. And I mean, okay, some some rules have got more legs than others, I guess. Mm. But the, 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 I, I think maybe another thing about it as well is it's a lot easier to 
produce stuff. Technically, you're like printing stuff is a lot simpler than it used to be. You know, 20 years ago, it, it, it was expensive to produce mm. a set of rules or a, yeah. a scenario book or whatever it might be. Mm. Whereas now, you with digital printing, you can you can run off two hundred copies, and it's it's doable. Yeah, it's def- it's definitely changed. It definitely changed in that aspect. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I think um, when I started this podcast two years ago, now um, I, can, I was getting to the stage where I was thinking, "Am I the only one? Am I the only person left who does big games?" Mm. Um, and Judging by the number of people who listen to this, I'm not I'm not no. by a long way. No, not by a long it's way. just we, no. it's just we seem to have retreated into our little silos and our little cellars and I wonder and if it's attic an age rooms thing. and 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 not shouting from rooftops. Yeah, I, I wonder if it's a generational thing because you know a lot of the guys that are doing it. I suppose by definition, it yeah. takes a while to build up yeah. the kind of collections we're talking about. But yeah, I, I, I came across something on Facebook. This guy had done. Um, a beautiful Seven Years' War game with, mm. with some of his mates. It was like a 20-foot table he got in his house. What looked like several yeah. thousand gorgeous figures. Yeah. I don't think he advertises himself particularly. He just yeah. said, oh, I, I put this game on. And yeah. I was thinking, wow, you know, that's... Yeah, amazing. Yeah. But we, I think we, and obviously generalising a little bit, but I think when we were younger, we were pulling on the coattails of those people who yes. were doing that, going, yeah. oh, can I ever go at that? Definitely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, mean, I was very lucky meeting those group of guys who were, I guess, they'd have been fifteen, sixteen years older than me. Yeah. So that you know they were working, they'd got disposable yeah. cash, they were, they'd got decent collection, and they were willing to let some mm. you know clumsy kid play <laughs> with them. You know, which I thought was. Hey, I'm not sure I'd have done the same thing yeah. when I was their age, to be honest. Yeah, very kind of. Them. Yeah. I mean, I've got my um, World War Two ships behind me, and they, yeah. there's, there's no kids touching. No, them. no, trust, no, no. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> These bits fall off them when I touch them. Never yeah. mind anybody else. Um, so um, I think it would be a good point to stick in the show um, a little bit of a chat about your Leipzig book. We're talking, oh, right, okay. We're talking about big games, and we'll talk about other stuff that you've done an author in um, later on. But I thought this would be a good part to um, to talk about the book, and I've got a copy in front of me. Uh, obviously, it's an audio podcast. So that's sod all you still always <laughs> listening. But it, it, I've got it in my hand to, to refer to. Um, and of course, I was hoping that Steve Sean was going to be yeah, here tonight. Sorry about that. But, um, the imposter. <laughs> the imposter. Steve Shan's here to talk about the book. Um, so, where did the idea for the book come? How did you start with it? It was issues four and five, I think, of War Games Illustrated. Wow, going that's right where, now. That's where the title came from. Yep. Peter Gilders, yep. you know, Let's Fight Leipzig. Mm. Somebody, I don't know, I, I don't think he ever, he ever got full credit for what he did for the hobby. Yes. I don't think. It's something, I, it's something I've tried to put right as much as I can on this podcast yeah. and, and talk about Peter all the time and get people on who knew him. Yeah. Because you're right, he, he's not talked about in the way that he should be. Well, I mean, people like Don Featherston and Charles Grant and, and, and um, Wisencraft, Charlie Wisencraft and all the yeah. rest of them, I mean, they obviously were massive figures in the hobby. Yeah. But Peter did sort of things that they didn't. I mean, he designed figures. Yeah. Uh, he painted beautifully. I mean, mm. their, their stuff tended to be, you know, no yeah. disrespect, functional. You know, yeah. it, it yeah. did the job. But, you know, he was he was, he was was a real painter, wasn't he? Yeah, he, he put on a... He put on a table, didn't he? Well, he did. That, I think that's the thing that it wasn't just the figures; it was the terrain. Mm. I think that's what stood out. That his terrain was just on a different level, several levels above what anybody yeah. else was doing. And I think when I first got hold of War Games Illustrated, I was looking, looking at the front. Wow, I've never seen anything like this before. And it, it was; it was really inspiring. 
I, you know, I think if I had to point to one person, it probably would be Pete Gilder. I think that's, mm. that's my that, thought. Yeah. Those early copies that you're talking about, mm. those early books, they would have, I can't remember whether it was five or six pages that were colour and everything yeah. else is black and yeah. white. And um, everyone kind of gravitated to to one of the pictures and, and mine was always the Italian Wars gendarmes. Yeah, lovely. Um, and uh, I've spoken to somebody who and apologies if I get the terminology wrong because it changes every week. Um, the um, Indigenous American on the front of one of them with, oh, the, yeah, that's with the feathered right. headdress yes. that had all been made from solder. And, yeah. oh. So just amazing. And, and it was those two 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 editions with the Leipzig stuff in Well, that, that, that was what he chose you. to call it, was, yeah. was Let's Fight Leipzig. And I yeah. thought, what a great title for a scenario <laughs> book. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, yeah. So when you... Decided to put it together. Then, what what was your kind of checklist? What what were you going to do with the book? Well, a, a couple of years, earlier, well, yeah, two or three years earlier, I started work on the Zale of Heights book, mm. which was the first scenario book that I did. Yeah. And I, I did a, a demo game at Partizan back in 2013. Mm. It, it, it was just a, I don't know, it was just a campaign that really interested yeah. me. Completely one-sided. I mean, the war yeah. was over, the Germans had lost. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, it was done and dusted. But there was just something about it that I found really interesting. Yeah. So I I, 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 did that, and I thought I'd like to do something similar yeah. uh, for the Napoleonic Wars. And as I say, I, I just came across the magazine articles and thought that that'd be a, yeah. that'd be a good one. And of course, it's it's a massive battle. And I, I tend I like to do maybe a dozen scenarios in the book. So you've got you know you got a fair bit of choice. Mm. And Leipzig was big enough that you could do that. Yeah, that that's that's probably why I, I went for it. Just look, just looking at it and the general layout and and look of it. Really nice pictures in there. So who's done those and where are the figures from? I wrote it, but that's all. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, my, my, my sister-in-law trained as a graphic designer. Oh, so right. Wow. She, she did the maps. Fantastic. I, I, I sort of explained to her what, what it was yeah. I had in mind. And yeah. we sort of tweaked it a little bit with the Sale of Heights book. Yeah. And, and then we, we think, I think we got it right with, with this one. Uh, so she did the maps and all of the layout. And uh, a, a, an old friend of ours from the Leeds Wars Game Club, John Smith, did the photos for yeah. me. Yeah, he's fantastic. Oh, he's a fantastic photographer, yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't have done it without both of them, really. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's it, it was thanks to them, really, that I was able to sort of bring it to, wow. to completion. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't realise that with the maps, because the, ma- the maps are really good. The, 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 they're informative, uh, but they also look like a war games table. Well, hopefully that was the idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, no, some that, bird's eye view, you know, yeah. looking down. Yeah, it's a, it does sound daft, but sometimes I look at a, a map in a scenario book, and I, it's like, oh yeah, that's really nice. That that's brilliant. If I was a topographical sculptor working for an archaeologist, yeah, uh, but I'm not. I'm a war gamer, <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. And I've got a few hills, and I've got a few trees, and I've got some roads. How am I going to lay? How am I going to lay that out on the table? Just looking at this, you pub, you've done all this yourself, haven't you? You've not gone to Ricewitz oh, or yeah. Helian or anyone like that. Well, you've... as I said earlier, with digital printing, it's it's doable. Yeah. You're not you're not going to make a fortune out of it. You do it because you enjoy it, you know. Mm. But if it pays for itself and buys a few figures, then brilliant, you know, absolutely, it, it, it worked. Yeah, I I didn't. I didn't realise you'd done that, and yeah. that's that's amazing that you've you've got that together uh, and done it that way. And, oh, I can see that we mentioned the collection of Chris Flowers in here. Yeah, as well. they're all either my figures or Chris's, <laughs> yeah, which is good. Is it designed for a specific set of rules, or have you tried to incorporate others within it? 
No, I, I, I wanted to leave that open. And uh, th- things like table size, I left that sort of fairly open as well because, you yeah. know, you don't need a 10 by 6 if you're game with 6 mil figures, you know. Yeah. So it's... And, and to be fair, it's not aimed at, at beginners. It's aimed at people mm. like you and me, you know, yeah. sort of veteran war gamers that have got collections and they, mm. they, they know what to do. They don't have to say... Yeah. It, it's basically just there to give 12 off-the-shelf games, I suppose, yeah. for, for, for people that are interested. So what sort of size games are most of the scenarios? Are they similar size or are they... Um, no, I, I tried to vary them a little bit, but I, 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 I did like an introductory chapter to just say, look, th- this is a way of doing it. These are the orders of battle, mm. and this is you know, the, maybe the kind of table you want, but if you don't have this number of figures, <laughs> yeah. then divide it by two-thirds. You know, yeah. it's not, or, or if, if you're lucky like us and we're playing at Chris's, then... You know, double it, too. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and they've done that. They've played a couple of the games and they've, they've just doubled the number of figures because they've got the figures and they've got the room. Yeah. So it, as long as you do it proportionally, it doesn't make any difference. But uh, yeah, it's just a dozen scenarios that are just ready to go. You've got my favourite battle of all time, Lieber Voltovitz. Yep. I love that battle. It's just it's just acres of cavalry, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is. Shall I move the infantry now? Sod the infantry. Let's move all our cavalry forward, uh, which is brilliant. An interesting point that I'm interested in your opinion on this yeah. is that recently, this is this is just me being annoying everyone. Most cavalry regiments on tables are twelve figures, right? And is that because everyone sells them in twelve figures? <laughs> <laughs> That's very cynical. <laughs> it, it, might, it, it might be that twelve figures is enough to paint, really. <laughs> it is, but if you if you remember back. Back in the day and at the War Games Holiday Centre, Austrian cavalry regiments were like 48 figures. They could be, yeah, yeah. In 28 mil? Yeah. They weren't 12, 12 figures. No, they weren't. So I'm kind of seeing I'm kind of seeing 30 figure foot battalions, mm. which are six, seven hundred men usually, and the cavalry regiment are 12 figures. Yeah. Well that isn't no. 250, 300 men, which is the No. I'm I'm wrestling with this at the moment because I Another project that I want to mm. do when I've retired yeah. is, is Seven Years' War. Yes. And I, I, I was thinking 30-figure infantry battalions, yeah. you know, five bases of six, flags in the middle, looks, mm. looks nice and symmetrical. Yeah. And I was thinking 10 or 12 yeah. cavalry figures because mm. it's not too difficult to paint in yeah. single rank. Yeah. But then again, really, I'd like to do 20 figures or yeah, 24 yeah. figures in two ranks. Yeah, yeah. most, because um, I've got big Seven Years' War um, in 15 now. Most, yeah. um, certainly French cavalry's, Around two squadrons, so mm, quite yeah, small. Yeah. Um, but some of the bigger Austrian ones are five or six squadrons. Mm, mm. So what I what I've done is I've done a a squadron as a base. Yeah. And then so some of them are just two bases, and some of them are like that big with six or eight bases. I think it's one of the uh, French regiments. I think it's Commissary Generals Regiment. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like twelve squadrons or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Was that Prussian? Is it Bayreuth Dragoons? It's yes. ten squadrons. It's yeah. huge, isn't it? Yeah. Double sized regiment. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's such a big difference between the sizes of the units in some of the, in some of the armies. Well, I, 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 I must admit that's one thing I, I can't get too hung up about is, is unit sizes. What, what I tend to do is I like to play at a fairly high command level. So yes. I might I might want a game on a ten foot table with maybe a couple of core on each side. But so I'm not representing battalion for battalion. A battalion yeah. might be representing, I don't know, a thousand men or twelve hundred yeah. men. So the size of the unit, you know, mm. it doesn't matter too much. It, it might be representing one Austrian battalion or maybe yeah. two French ones. So yeah, and the same with the cavalry. So I, I don't mm. get, I don't get too worked up about yeah. It's definitely, it's definitely a question for for everyone out there. Is that our cavalry units now all twelve figures because that's how many figures are in the box? Yeah, 
and I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> you telling might, you, you that I am right. Yeah, you might have a point. Yeah. <laughs> um, what have you gone to to try and introduce a, like a flavour of the different games? Have you have you included uh, like special rules yeah. or stuff like that? How's that work? Yeah, it, it, it follows the same format basically. You, you get the, the orders of battle, mm. uh, obviously, where you deploy victory conditions, where yeah. reinforcements arrive, that kind of thing. What you'd expect. But if, if there was anything that happened that was a bit different, mm. I'd try and include it as a, as a special rule and maybe suggest how you do it. Obviously, how you do it is going to depend on what yeah. rules you're using. Mm. So, I mean, something like maybe Black Powder, your cavalry might be moving 54 inches, you know, yeah. whereas in, in sort of Grand Maverick it might be 10, you know. Mm. So you've got, to, you've got to play about with it a little bit. But, yeah, there's special rules in there. Mm. And has there been um, any attempt to balance it for both sides or have you tried to keep to, you know, historical... Unbalance, if you yeah, like. yeah. Well, well, Leipzig helps you out a bit there because the battles. It depends where you draw the line on the map. Because <laughs> the, the Allies sort of attacked in sort of what they call columns. Yeah. And depending on who was against them, yeah, uh, you can sort of play about with a little bit. And I mean, sometimes I mean in the scenario book there was there were a couple of battles where the same regiment features in two scenarios because <laughs> they, they were there in the morning, but they were somewhere, somewhere else in the afternoon. Else. <laughs> you, you, you kept, kept busy. Yeah. We're actually putting one of these games on at uh, at Partizan in May. Oh, brilliant! Uh, one of them from the books. Yeah. So, uh, oh, that'll be great to see. I'll come, I'll come along and uh, and definitely definitely have a look. Um, have you tied them all together in a monster game at the end of it, or? What was you thinking um, on that? I, I didn't because unless you're actually going to refight Leipzig, yeah. I, I don't see how you can really. Yeah, no. I mean, we've done that, and, and why not? Yeah, yeah. It, it's a it's a it's a daunting challenge, isn't it? It, it is. It is a daunting challenge. But then I think if it was a wargaming bucket list, oh yeah, it would definitely. Well, would of course, definitely the problem with Leipzig is that it, it doesn't matter how big a table you've got. It's not big enough because it, it's it, it's not the width of it. It's the fact that you need at least two. Because yes. because the French are in the middle, aren't they? They've yeah. got they've got allies on one side and allies yeah. on, on the other side. So and when when we played the game um, back in the early nineties, um, we um, were considerably younger than we are now, yes. and yes. we had a, a giant. We had about a twelve foot six by six foot hole in the middle of the table yeah. that we cl- crawled underneath, and the French. Effectively fought back to back. That's right. Yeah. Which was a which is a really good experience because I was on the northern flank mm. um, fighting the Prussians. I think it was, um, and I had no idea what was going on behind me. No, because you're so engrossed, and that that would be so. That's realistic in terms of what a corps commander would know. Yeah, well, of course, that's how they did it at the war games, Hodgson, isn't it? Because you had yeah. the French players mm. w- with the two sort of. 27 by 6 tables yeah. you know f- front and back and they, and they were fighting back to back against the allies that were closing in and uh, <laughs> oh yeah it's... there was a there was a minor complaint on the video and that was that the Swedes aren't in <laughs> so um, yes that's right have you got have you got any particular hatred against the Swedish no, nation no or... no I haven't I have, to, no. I, have, I have to say that this this podcast is exceptionally popular in Finland oh. it's been <laughs> no idea why but I have been number one in the gaming podcast chart in Finland on two or three occasions and there's a podcast called uh, Critical Role yeah. uh, I don't know if you've heard of it no, I um, but it's like it's like D&D yeah. um, and they sell out arenas for the show in America um, it's massive um, and I regularly beat them in Finland <laughs> 
Finland, I love you. Oh, fantastic. Well, look, to be fair, as the guy himself said, he said, I know they didn't do much. And, yeah. and, and that was why. They, they didn't do yeah. enough to sort of feature in any of the games. Yeah, yeah, but I'm kind of feeling a little bit sorry because this, this, in my group back in Cheshire, uh, Pete Clayton, bless you if you're listening, mate, um, he had a Swedish army. Mm. And I can, you know, I can just, there's, there's, there's always one, isn't there, yeah. in the group. Um, and you're like, oh, great, we've got Leipzig. I'll get me Swedish. And they go off to the car. You've got to tell him where I'm at. Yeah, well, so I'm, glad, I'm glad to hear there's no particular uh, No, hate. well, my, my, my son listened to, uh, watched the video because he was curious to see what this bloke had to say. Yeah. And he says, he said, why didn't you include the Swedes? I said, well, I said, the battle lasted for about four days. The Russians, I think, lost about 22,000 casualties. Yeah. The Swedes lost 200. Yeah. He said, oh, yeah, okay, fair enough. Fair enough, yeah. Because <laughs> um, uh, Dom, boots on the table, Dom, he's been on this, this show uh, yeah. before. He's a lovely guy. Uh, and it was a very, a very... Thoughtful and honest. Yeah, uh, it, it, was, it, was, it was really kind of really, really nice. Um, so, if somebody wants to get a hold of a copy of that, then Steve, where do they go? Well, uh, probably, probably my blog, Nations yeah. in Arms. Um, if you just Google Nations in Arms blog, it'll take yeah, you there. No I'll put a, I'll put a link to Steve's uh, blog in the show notes for this, um, so you can get a hold of a copy if you want. But it's highly recommended. I have to say, I'm even more impressed now that I realise that you've done it on your own. Not that I'm. Look, you know, dissing your skills or anything. I think it'd be, <laughs> no, no, feel I lo- free. I think it'd be a load of rubbish or anything. <laughs> it, 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 it looks, and, and again, in the best best way, it looks highly professionally done. It looks really good. Photographs are brilliant. It's well set out. You know, just looking, flicking to a page, looking at one of the maps, looking at the um, orders of battle and all the special rules and stuff, I can see that as an easy pickup, bang, on the table, yeah. and you're away. That's the idea. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for that, mate. Uh, so that's the end of the big game section. Uh, a bit longer than normal, but we've talked about the Leipzig book, so that's uh, no issues at all. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back in a minute when we have our little features section. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to section three of the show, the features section. And the first part of always is the Yorkshire Gamer Quiz. And... Uh, just uh, to remind her, for all the people who are going to send it, uh, email complaints in, that this is not how good a gamer you are, this is how good a Yorkshire gamer you are. Uh, Steve, you're ready to go. It's just yes or no, or one answer or the other. Okay. Regional bias is included, and you're a Yorkshire lad, so you'll be all right, won't you? <laughs> uh, question one, go big or go home. <laughs> it's not even a question. <laughs> Contrast paints, great or a gimmick? Don't know, never used them. Oh, excellent, <laughs> excellent. <laughs> We'll get into that when we come to our chat about painting very soon. Uh, but another painting question just coming up, and that's paintbrushes. Uh, and would you use Windsor & Newton, posh southern rubbish, or would you use ProArt made in Skipton? That's what I use. ProArt Pro made in Skipton, Yay! yeah. It's the cheaper. Yes, the cheaper and just, a, just as <laughs> and good. Just as good, yeah. Just as good. 96 figures, would you consider that an army or a pipe block? A medium-sized pipe block. Medium-sized yeah. pipe block. Excellent. Well, I like that. We covered this a little bit earlier on, but six by four table, big game or small? Six mil figures. It's a big game. It's a small <laughs> game. It's a small game. It's a small game. Points-based army or historical order of battle? Always historical for me. Oh, brilliant. That's what I like to see. I don't know whether it's me being consciously biased with my guests, but not many people prefer points on this show. Uh, I don't know why. <laughs> Probably because the shit. Oh, sorry. Did I say that? Um... 
<laughs> so, uh, wet palette or an old bit of MDF for mixing your paint? I'll use MDF. <laughs> an old bit of MDF, awesome. We'll get on to the wet palette debate later on. Undercoating fill- figures, uh, black or white? Usually black. Usually black. Uh, question nine, rattling through these, doing very well so far. Um, Yorkshire tea or dirty mucky coffee? Yorkshire tea. Yorkshire tea every time. Mm-hmm. And uh, question ten, halfway through. War games units, if it's historically correct, do you like them tightly packed or socially distanced? Tightly packed. Tightly packed, yeah. yeah. I just can't get this. I can't get this where the figures are miles away no. from each other in, in what should be a close order unit. I, I like bases to be as small as they can be to protect the figures. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's definitely an element of that, isn't there? Yeah. When when the, they are close together, it's so hard for some oik to get a finger between the two and break <laughs> yeah. something. Yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, oh, it's going very well. Question 11. Um, Two-hour club game or a weekend monster game? <laughs> weekend monster weekend game, of monster game, of course. Of course. Uh, question 12. Only controversial in the south of England, this. Uh, but avocados, are they just posh, mushy peas? I'm going to let you down here. Are you gonna, like, oh, oh, no. I like avocados, I'm you sorry. You like them? I do. Oh, <laughs> I do, no. sorry. I like mushy peas as well, but I like avocados. Oh, dear me. Dear, dear <laughs> sorry. me. Dear, dear me. Right, you see, I, I, through the show, up episode 40 now, I thought I'd discovered an avocado line somewhere around Northampton. <laughs> uh, and above Northampton... You know, nobody knew what avocado was or if they did, they fed it to the dog. Um, and then below it, it was the greatest food ever. Yeah. Um, and Henry Hyde flipped it as well. So, yeah. I lived in Barcelona for two years. You know, Mediterranean diet, you know. Well, there we, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I can kind of see where you're coming from <clears throat> yeah. with that. The universal question, uh, Steve, there's a little bit of a pressure on you here, but everyone's answered this the same. Um, and that's round dice, spherical dice. Are they allowed or banned on your table? Banned. Banned. Yes. 40 episodes. You're down the chippy. Are you going to choose haddock or cod? I don't mind. You don't mind? I don't mind. Don't <laughs> Sorry. Mind. No, I don't mind. Do you like a good table and a set of rules, like a casualty table or something where you cross-referencing things, or, or do you like the result of the dice to be what runs the game? If, if it's well laid out, a casualty table's great. Yeah. yeah. Seem to be moving away from that now, don't we? We seem yeah. to be. Yeah. Uh, we were talking earlier on, weren't we, about O Group, yeah. um, which to me has a perfectly reasonable and acceptable amount of casualty. What they call modif- modifiers. Yeah, you know, it's, it's plus one here and plus one and minus one here. It's not difficult maths. No, you're not asking to get the second integration level of a fractional. Uh, something or other. It's just it's it's plus one and plus you can well, do it on your fingers most well, of the time. I, I think this is where Dave Brown really really got it right with the yeah. group for me that the, the mechanisms are simple, but they're ingenious as well. Yeah. I really like that. Um, or what's it? That that visibility dice. Obviously, yes, you know, the spotting the spotting dice. dice. Yeah. That's yeah, it. that's that's a, that's a brilliant yeah. idea. But right. Simple. Yeah, Sim- you know, so simple. Why didn't anybody else think of it? But yeah. yeah. Yeah, amazing, amazing. So, so you don't need complex rules for it to be ingenious, you know. Yes, yeah, yeah, you can. But then you can go too far. Yeah. So my favourite ever set of rules is Napoleonic naval set of rules. And you roll 1d6 and 1 to 5 the British win. Yeah. And if you roll 6, you roll again. It's a draw, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can't get quicker than that. Yeah. Um, I think I know the answer to this one, but uh, question 16. 28 mil is king, yes or no? Yes. Yeah. Uh, unpainted miniatures allowed on the table, yes or no? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
think I know the answer to that one as well. Um, right, only three questions left. Rattle through these quite nicely. I don't think you're a big football fan, are you? But I love football. You are, you love football. I well, guess you did because you did your kids' team, didn't you? I did, yeah. So if you've got to choose now between Bradford City or Leeds United. <laughs> Trick question, Liverpool. Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you half a point. Yeah, sorry. I can't help noticing, Ken, on your wall, you've got a joint band in Bradford City Liverpool. Is that because they played each other, or do you support them both? Um, yeah, well, um, long story. Years ago, when I was a kid, um, I used to live in Cheshire, and mm. I used to go to Anfield um, on a regular basis and pay £4 to get in oh. uh, <laughs> and Try stand on, there. Um, and then I came to um, Leeds University in, in the late 80s, and um, obviously I couldn't go and watch Liverpool anymore because mm. I couldn't get there. Um, so I started to watch Bradford City and I've been to watch Bradford ever since Right. and then um, Stephen Darby who's a Bradford City player a former Bradford City player has got MND very similar to uh, the lad from Leeds Rhinos ah um, yeah of course and yeah. Uh, uh, Roddy not Roddy Doyle he's the author isn't he hmm. uh, there was a Scottish rugby player as well and I do apologise I can't remember his name at the moment who's got MND and the um He's just passed away, sadly. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the Bradford played Liverpool at Bradford as a fundraiser oh, for MND. Oh, okay. Um, and sadly, Stephen's going downhill quite rapidly at the moment. Bless him. Um, so yeah, that 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 was that. So that's the reason why these those two football clubs. So, so Liverpool's I, an acceptable answer. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 And I and I've I've you know I I've supported them as a kid, but I've been going to watch Bradford since. Yeah, I took my lad on the on the Anfield tour when he was about eight because he's been Liverpool sport all his yeah. life and oh, what, what a ground! Yeah, yeah. amazing, yeah. amazing place. Um, sadly, there's no cup anymore. Um, so yeah. I think I, I, the last time I went was the season um, when the cup uh, when the seats were put in, mm. um, and it was I can't I think we played Notts Forest and we beat them. T- uh, Liverpool beat them two 0 and Nigel Clough scored. Right. So that. Yeah. That will date yeah, it. I was going to say, that's dating. That yeah, will date yeah. it. Um, so, question 19 again. <laughs> nice, easy one, this one. Uh, Yorkshire or the other place over the hill? <laughs> well, it's obviously Yorkshire, but yep. my mother's Lancastrian. Is she? She, she was, yeah, yeah. I'm, oh. a, I'm a half-breed, I'm afraid, yeah. Oh, dear. I know. Uh, the muckles or something <laughs> in the uh, yeah. JK Rowling. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right, uh, and then the final question uh, is: uh, Games Workshop are they the work of the devil? I can't honestly say they are. <laughs> I, I, I've never bought any of their products, but I, I wouldn't be so cruel. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> mate. Yeah, mate. No at all. So um, you've done extremely well. Um, yeah, definitely in the upper quartile, eighty-seven and a half percent. Oh wow! With some of the half. Uh, points that I've given you there. Yeah. That sounds very, very reasonable indeed. You're not showing me the door, so... No, 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 no. Um, my mate, um, Sean Clark, who is uh, an avid 6 mil gamer, mm. um, has got the record low score of about 30%. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he kind of knew which answers he was he was answering correctly or... Was, was he winding you up with yeah. Yeah. No, no, he... he, he, he there was just certain ones that he couldn't lie... He had to tell the truth and yeah. ended up with 30%. Uh, but I love you, Sean, man. You're the business. Um, the, seat, the feature section isn't just the quiz anymore. Next up is Room 101. Have you managed to think of something for War Games Room 101? Yeah, I, I, I've, got I've got two. I've got two. 
what the, the first one is something that really winds me up about oh, other people. Oh, I love it. I love this. And the second one is something that really winds me up about me. Oh, <laughs> that's good. That's funny. So, yeah. yeah, I'll have to see. Uh, yeah, and see what we make it. But the first one is table clutter. Table clutter. Awesome. Biggest pleasure for me, yeah. particularly if we're doing a demo game, is that it looks good. Yes. I mean, tablecloths and what have you, yeah. the functional drop-on yeah. ter- terrain, roads, rivers, the rest of it, perfectly functional, yeah. makes perfect sense. Mm. I, I, I like terrain boards, sculpted terrain yeah. boards. It's cost me a bloody fortune mm. the number of times I've, I've tried to make them, mm. um, but it, it's worth all the effort. And then people clutter it up. You, know, you put thousands of lovely figures on there. Um, don't get me wrong. The odd dice, even yeah. tape measure, I don't mind. But you know, quick reference sheets, yeah. rules, baking sandwiches, cups of coffee. <laughs> yes, somebody's knitting. You know, yeah. give me an instant, it'll take a mile. You know? yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, I, yeah. I don't think I can disagree. I can, I can. It doesn't take me long if I close my eyes to picture a table that I've seen at a show that had been. There must have been sometimes years spent getting it right. Yeah. And it's covered in yeah. fast play sheets, um, people's bags of stuff that they've bought from the show, <laughs> yeah. um, coffee. If I've got all that money I've spent on that train, nobody's put the coffee cup on it. No. no. It doesn't matter how confident you are, you aren't going to spill it. Somebody it's going to come back past and knock it over at, at, at some stage. Yeah, it's it, it's a big... And do you find when you're running games that it's hard to pe- keep... Some people are, uh, are buggers putting stuff on the table they and you are. have to keep an eye on them all the time. Yeah, and you keep telling them. And no matter how many times you tell them, it doesn't seem to make yeah. any difference. You, you, you're at a show and you wander and get a coffee or a, a bacon butty or something. You come back to the table and they've put everything back out again. Yeah. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not that precious about... My figures, because I mean, mm. you know, like you, I paint my own figures. I, yeah. I put a fair bit of time into it. But if somebody drops something, I mean, yeah. it happens. You know, the, yeah. the toys to be played with, and I, mm. I never worry about it. Yeah. That's an accident. If you put a lot of shit on the table when we're trying to put on a demo game, <laughs> that's not an accident. <laughs> that's 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 being careless. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah, that that, do, that does worry me. No, yeah, that's uh, that is definitely going into, into the War Games <laughs> vault, mate. That is an awesome one, uh, and just something that came to mind then when you were talking about terrain boards. The thing that I, I do like terrain boards, do like sculpted terrain boards, but the thing that always gets me is the lines between the boards. Yeah. Have you ever found a way of minimising that? Because sometimes you look at it and you think, oh, it's brilliant, and then your mind starts, oh, it looks like a chessboard or something like that. With the with Yeah, the... I'm on my... And this sort of links in with my, my second uh, yeah. 101 candidate. <laughs> I'm on my... I don't know, 28th iteration of terrain board, something like <laughs> right, that. Okay. And uh, you, you learn a bit every time yeah. as you, you, when you, yeah. you don't quite get it right. Yeah, yeah I, fa- I found one way you can sort of kid yourself optically is rather than using two foot squares, which is my sort of standard yeah. size, yeah. you mix in three by two oh, and two by ones. Yeah. And it, it folds the eye a little bit. Yeah, I like that. Uh, it, it's a bit harder work coordinating where the roads and what yeah. have you leave and join because obviously they've all got to meet up. Yeah. But it does sort of trick yeah. your eye a little bit. It's good, wasn't that? I like so that. that's yeah, because yeah. your your mind will see patterns yeah. better than it sees um, non patterns. Yeah, that, that's that, that's the thing. Yeah. And, and the advantage as well with the bigger boards, the three by twos, is mm. that if you particularly for hills, 
you can get a decent sized hill on that three yes. by two. Whereas with a two by two, you have to join two together, yeah. which is technically more difficult to do because yeah. the join has got to be really good and yeah. the contours have got to match. Yeah. So it, it helps that. And, and the two by ones as well are great for specials like mm. maybe railways or streams that you're yeah. not going to use all the time and they're easy to store. So oh, yeah, well, that's, that's good, good bit of advice there. I yeah. like that. I like that. And, um, so you, you, you've got a personal one about yourself. Yeah. What's that? This yeah. is interesting. Well, how can you describe it? Perfectionitis. Ah, right. Yes, yeah. perfectionitis. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a bit of a problem, if I'm honest. It's right. a bit of a problem. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a standing joke with yeah. the, the lads I wargame with because what what will happen is I'll I'll paint something, you know, like mm. a unit or maybe make a piece of terrain, and then a couple of years later, somebody will bring out a range of figures just a lot nicer, or they might be in a different pose. Right. That I think. And I can feel my hands start to sort of twitch. <laughs> and I think, oh, I, 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 could, yeah. oh, I could do a much better job mm. with those. And I, 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 I used to start off by saying to the guys, you know, I was thinking of doing this. And so, well, why? What you've yeah. got is perfectly nice. Well, yeah, yeah, I know it is. But if I do it this way, yeah. it'll be better. Yeah, but what you've got is perfectly nice. And after a while, I just stopped saying anything because they, they just yeah. laugh at me, you know. Yeah. So, I, 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 I do, I just, I do, so I just suffer in silence. <laughs> just, so, yeah, it, I, there might be so, I mean, I'm doing it at the minute. I, 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 just, I can't help myself. Yeah. I've got, I, I'm doing, I'm building up an American War of Independence collection at the minute. And I did some, I, I like marching figures. Because yes. they fit most yeah. situations. Mm-hmm. I'm using mainly Perry, Perry figures. And, um, I've got my, my American militia in, in marching poses. I mean, you scruffy them up yeah. quite a bit, but yeah. they, they look mm. they look nice. They yeah. look okay. But then when they brought out later, as they do, the, yeah. these firing line figures, and I thought, yeah. And yeah. they got figures running away yeah. and all the rest of it. And I thought, oh, that'd be much better. <laughs> so I've, I've just sold like oh. <laughs> three regiments worth of <laughs> militia, which means when I had a decent sized American army, I've now got a small American army. Yeah. And so I'm going to have to go out and, and, and replace the figures and, um, you know, and I, I'm an absolute bugger for doing this. <laughs> the number of collections I've sold over the years. Yeah. Because uh, a new range has come out and I thought, oh, I'm not quite happy with these. The terrain boards I'm working at the moment, 20, 30 iteration might be a slight exaggeration, but it's probably the seventh or eighth. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, I blame Colin Rumford for this. You know, when the Rapid Fire books came out mm. and the, the supplements they did, I mean, the figures and the vehicles were lovely, but yeah. Colin, in particular, Colin's terrain was just out of this yeah. world. And I looked at mine, and I thought, oh, God, you know, I'm, I, this, this is that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I redid it. Yeah. And it, it was definitely better, but yeah, it wasn't quite there. Yeah. But every time I do it, I, I, <laughs> I get a bit better. But the problem is, I'm bloody 62 now. And I, I mean, yeah. I'm as longer as I got, you know. I mean, yeah. I, I, how many more times can I do this? I've got to get to a point where it's good enough. Some leave sta- it alone. Some stage, no. some stage you're gonna, you're gonna, yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate that. So, that's what a, this is, one. yeah, it's a one on one candidate, it's a cry for help. To be honest. Thera- yeah. Therapy it's is, free, well, yeah, is it's, free on the show, it's, it's, it's like in the psychiatrist's chair, isn't it? Now, <laughs> I, th- I think we, we, we all as war gamers have a certain level of obsession, yeah. Um, and I tend not to sell stuff, no, um, but I tend to keep collecting. And yeah. keep collecting, so that's probably my well, I, vice. I, th- I think it's linked maybe with with what I do for a living because mm. you know you, when you, you paint figures for a living, if somebody comes along and, and, and offers you you know a large amount of money for a big collection, it's difficult to turn it down. Yeah, because when you're self-employed, you you never you know yeah. I've been lucky. I've, I've I've had 
yeah. your work for the last however many years, mm. but you never know. And yeah. you know, when you particularly got a young family, you think, well, I could bank this money, and yeah. you know. So yeah. I, th- I think that's part of it. I yeah. think that's part yeah. of it. Excellent. Well. Um, that therapy session was free. The, <laughs> was <that> free? Uh, <laughs> the, the next one will be yeah, twenty-five pounds an hour, uh, but that, that, that's good. A couple of, uh, of excellent ones there, especially like the table cutter one. Yeah, yeah. You see, well, I've said this a few times on the podcast, but when I started Wargame Dream One Hundred and One, I thought it would last six or seven episodes, yeah. and we'd we'd get to a stage where everyone would go, "Well, I, I can't think of anything." But then, without fail, every week. My guests come up with something, and straight away I go, "Yes, <laughs> yeah. oh dear, awesome!" Um, and then the final bit of the um, feature section is the Desert Island War Game. I'm, I'm mm. sure you'd be familiar with Desert Island Discs. Yeah. Um, so it's just similar to that. So, what would your castaway game be? What would be, you know, figures, table size, nothing is 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 an issue. Wait, you mean all all the components of, of any war game yeah, that I would take, want to do, I can take yeah, it with me. Anything yeah. terrain figures yeah. will the whole lot. Oh, God, yeah, that that is that is a tough one. There are so many. So I mean, I like I like a lot of the scenarios I do are sort of made up, but I do like fighting historical battles. I yeah. must admit, and I, we did one at, at triples. God, must be twenty five years ago, Gettysburg, and it. We did the second day, yeah, and uh, it's just a really interesting battle. Yeah, so I think if I could have sort of Peter Gill, the sculpted Gettysburg terrain yeah. from uh, what was that TV program? Yeah, did from, um, Bat- Battle- 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 Battleground. Battleground. Yes, Battleground. Battleground. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, so, so would that be twenty-eight mil? Yeah, okay. got to be. Yeah. Um, what sort of size table would it be? What sort of table do you have? At oh, I've got bugger what else to do on it. Exactly. <laughs> Who cares? Big as you can get. Yeah, big as you can get. Awesome. I like that one. Other than obviously a religious book, which you can mm-hmm. take for free, what would be the one book that you would take with you? <sighs> Military world war game. Whatever you, yeah. whatever you would want to say. Um, speaking of desert armies, I remember. Um, was it, was it Jack Straw when he was mm. on Desert Island Discs? His, his takeaway book was uh, Michael Howard's Frank Prussian World. Oh, <laughs> yeah, wow. which, which knocked me sideways. I must yeah. have I'd so, never have guessed that. No, well, neither would I. No, I think, I, I I think it was Jack Straw. I would have thought they would not, wouldn't speak to each other. You <laughs> couldn't get opposite ends of the spectrum, really, no. could you? But uh, yeah, it's 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 a book that's influenced me. I think more yeah. than any other. You know, yeah. It's what set me off on the on the Frank Prussian tracks. It after yeah, that, after that one. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, outside of your Desert Island game, you get to take one War Games unit that means specifically something to you. So it could be one that you've done, mm. or one from a magazine, or from history. Uh, what would that be? Um, well, just harking back to the, the Perfectionitis uh, <laughs> yeah, strand, yeah. I'd, I, I started to do an Italian Wars collection years ah, ago. Right, yeah. uh, never completed, I'm yeah. sorry to say. But one thing you've got to have is, is a unit of Lance Yeah. And I'd put off painting them because, yeah, well, you guess what? Yeah, 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 they are a pain in the ass. But I painted 72 of them up into a unit. And I looked at them and I thought, mm. yeah. yeah. I thought, they're okay. And I, I, I thought, I wonder, I wonder if another highlight would make a difference. Yeah. So I put another highlight on them and it did make a difference. Yeah. I thought, I wonder if a, a final one would. So I did that as well. And we're talking. 72 figures, so eight, ten yeah, hours extra work. Of, yeah. Eight or ten hours yeah. extra work. Though I say so myself, they look, it's yeah. the best unit I've ever painted in my life. Yeah. And it was worth that extra effort. 
So I think I'd probably have them because it would show, yeah, perfectionitis, not a good idea on the whole. Yeah. Sometimes it pays off. Sometimes it pays <laughs> yeah. off. Yeah. And did you keep those? Or... Oh, God. Oh. As soon as I told the story, I thought, shit, he's going to ask me if I kept them all. No, I didn't. I, <laughs> I got a good price for them, but I sold them. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Oh, no. I know, I know. If you've got that unit, bring them back to Steve. <laughs> he's, he's, look, he's looking a bit depressed now. We, we've, had, we've, we've had the over-perfection discussion, and we've talked about this unit, and I, I think um, it would only be fair to hand them back to Steve as a, as, a, as a thing. Well, lovely. Thank you very much for that. That's the the end of that uh, feature section. And uh, we'll be back in a moment, ladies and gentlemen, for our big topic. We're still here. We're still here upstairs in the room and we're, we're cracking away and we're on to the big topic. And I'm going to cover a couple of things with Steve today. Um, and uh, I'm going to continue on from the theme that we touched on in the big game section. And that is the, uh, the authoring, the writering or whatever it is in, uh, in proper English like there. I remember, uh, and I've got a, a nice little pile of stuff that Steve's done next to me that we're, we're going to talk. But what I'm going to talk about first isn't here. Steve isn't yeah, okay. here. What's that? So um, I I remember not that long ago actually going through some old war games magazines, yeah, and coming across the name Steve Shan in a couple of articles in in some of the magazines. Was that you? Oh, it could have been. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, 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 I had a big clear out a while back, yeah, and all the magazines Steve went. Sean. No, it's not. No, 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 it's no, not no, Steve it's Sean. My alter ego. No, no, yeah. I'm, I'm the real one. So. Really, the question then is: is how did you get into the writing for war game stuff? It started off with the, with the, the Franco Prussian stuff, I think. Mm. Like, like I was saying before about stumbling across those those books, it was it was just a complete revelation and a revolution, really, for me, because mm. I'd gone from having a few English books that were yeah okay that gave you a broad outline to having after action reports down to battery level. So like the, the raw material was suddenly there, mm. and. It just hadn't been exploited in English before. Yeah. And I thought, this is a chance to do something yeah. original. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I, I'm really interested in the period anyway. And I just started going through all this stuff. As I said, I was sort of gainfully unemployed at the time and I had yeah. plenty of time to, to look mm. at it. Leeds University were fantastic. Now it's like getting to Fort Knox, but <laughs> you, you could just walk in. Yeah. <laughs> you walk in off the street, which is what I did. And uh, they even let me join and borrow books. Wow. Fantastic. You know, which was, was, was amazing. And yeah. That just enabled me to be able to sort of study it in, in yeah. some detail while I had some time on my hands. And I bet some of those books nobody's looked at them since, probably. No, they, oh, they haven't. Yeah. No, not for sure. They, they've been on the shelves for decades, probably. Wow. And I mean, I, I, when they let me borrow one, I just I used to ring up and renew it over the phone. And yeah. I think I had one for like a couple of years. And awesome. They never asked for any of them back. So. <laughs> so do you remember the first article you did? For a magazine? Uh, no, to be honest. No, <laughs> <laughs> no I can't. No. Did you get paid for it? That was amazing. Oh, no, no I tell a lie. I tell a lie. I, it, I can't remember which battle it was, but it, it was a... Yeah, I was living in Barcelona at the time. Yeah. That's right. When um, War Games Illustrated came out, it was a week before I went. I just happened to be in Smith's, and there was issue number one. Wow. So I took it with me. So I was I, 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 you know, I was reading up the beach and all the rest of yeah. it. And after a while, I thought it'd be nice to write something for yeah. this. And I, 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 while I was there, I mean, I, I didn't speak Spanish when I went, but I, you know, I picked mm. it up when I got there. And there was this series of books on the the, the, the Independence War, as they call it. And I, yeah. I, I picked those up. And there was, again, loads of information. So I thought, I'll write an article on this. And Duncan accepted it and published wow. it. But I can't, I can't 
remember what it was called. It, it was nearly 40 years ago now. Yeah, I, no, I, I, can, I, I, accept, I accept that as an excuse. Yeah. Don't worry, I don't worry. But I do remember um, seeing your name in some of those early War Games magazines. Yeah, I did run on Lawrence of Arabia. I seem to remember yeah. that. In, was it War Games World? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. that's what I was reading Seven Pillars of Wisdom at the time. And, yeah. Uh, I just, again, I just thought it'd make it interesting. <laughs> it, it's often like that. I just think, yeah. well, that sounds interesting. And well, it was, it was kind of, it was, it was kind of a bit weird for me because he was like, oh, I know him. <laughs> <laughs> rather than, rather than these names that, you know, in later life I've come to know and, and speak to them. Yeah. Uh, but it was like, oh, it's Steve from Club. <laughs> <laughs> What's he going on about? What's he going on about? Did you did you enjoy writing as a child? Did you English and English literature and that yeah, sort of stuff it, as well? It was, it was one of the things I didn't come bottom of the class at when I was at you, school. You were all so, right with yeah, it. You were yeah, all right yeah. with it. Oh, that's good. That's good to see. Um, did you do a book on magenta? <laughs> no. 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 I, I seem I, to remember the movie. Yeah, magenta was, just come into it. No. Uh, yeah. I, uh, one of the things I, I did when I when I came back was I, I started buying and selling books yeah. and I called it Magenta Books. Ah, the, the, there we go. There we nobody go. ever understood why. They thought, yes. you know, I've got a fixation with the colour or something. But no, I, I couldn't think of a, of a name yeah. and I was interested in the Second Empire. I couldn't call it the book, you know, Solferino book, Gravelot Sam Prima yeah. book. So I, yeah. I, I called it Magenta ah, Books. That's, right. that was that's where it's come that's from. That's where then. it's come from. Yeah. Uh, and um, just for the uninitiated out there, Magenta was a, a big battle Eighteen fifty nine. Sorry, yeah. yeah. In, uh, <laughs> French and the Austrians in Italy. That's right. Yeah, yeah. it's not just a colour. I think said that doctor. It's coming back to me now. I think, you know, I think you might be right. I think I did do an article on the back of Magenta for one of the magazines. Don't worry. Don't yeah, worry. Sorry. Have you have you ever published any rules? Have you ever, is no, that something I'd, you're not going to. No, not really. I I I, I did a, a a short set of Franco-Prussian rules mm. many many years ago, and yeah, I mean I, I saw quite a few, but. I think having done it once, that that was that enough. Was I, I I really admire people that do it. It's yeah. it's difficult. I think it's harder now as well because you're more the author's more accessible, aren't they? Yeah. Because I yeah. I, I would imagine that when you you did those Franco-Prussian oh, rules, if somebody needed to get yeah. hold of you, yeah, you know, they, <laughs> they, they, they come have and to find write me. To yeah, you. yeah, yeah <laughs> that's right. Pen and paper. Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Whereas now, if you put something on the internet. Yeah, you, you, you're putting yourself out there, aren't yeah, you? Really? You are. Yeah, I, I, know, I know that feeling with a number. Of <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah this podcast uh, does generate some correspondence. <laughs> um, a number of number of the, the uh, words in the in them tend to four letters. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't know why. Don't know why. I don't know why, how anyone gets upset. What always amazes me, and I, did, I think I might have said this in the last episode, is that people will get upset with stuff that's about an hour and a half into the episode. Yeah. So I can't believe that people are randomly fast forwarding and then getting offended by a bit. No. They must have listened for an hour and a half and then gone, Oh, don't like this bloke. He said to Adam. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, there we go. That's that's my tiny little <laughs> interest. Um we've talked we've talked about about um, the, your research te- techniques back there and then um just we've got a few books in front of us here, and uh, I'm just going to pick the first three up first. And these are proper old school they're publishing, really, really as I are. as I would call yeah. them. So they're A5 in size, and from a company called Anschluss. Anschluss, that's right. Great battles of history reforms. Yeah. yeah, and um, I've got some of these for the Peninsula War. Yeah, uh, the right. very very good books. Yes, yeah. yeah. 
I see this is FPW01. Yep. <laughs> um, and we've got Weissenberg. Uh, I'll let you do that one. Yeah, for us, really. Uh, awesome. Um, and uh, these are obviously battles in the Franco-Prussian War. That's right, yeah. So just ex- explain what was behind these and what's in them. Well, like you, I, I'd got quite a few of them, but I, I was interested in the 1813 campaigns. So I had quite yeah. a few of those. In fact, I think the guy that ran the company wrote those himself. Yeah. And I thought they, they were a great idea. You know, they're yeah. really handy, compact. They were, they were cheap. Um, give you all the information you need to fight the battle, good orders of battle. And I, I just thought, I, I'd been, you know, doing some reading and research for quite a while at this at this yeah. point. And I, I just wrote to him and said, you know, I've got this idea. And he said, yeah, great, go wow. for it. And it, I mean, it, old school. I, I typed that myself. Wow! And <laughs> on one of those, there's electronic typewriters, yeah. you know. That then yeah. you, you, you type in a whole line, and then it prints it for you, and then you do the next oh, line. Oh, fantastic! And then I just sent, literally sent the pages off to him, and he just copied them. And <laughs> yeah, because it used to store a line, didn't that's, it? And that's you could right. see you the could line. See the line. That's and right. And you could edit the line, <clears throat> yeah. and then you kind of out the line. Yeah. And, and, and it worked. And the maps are they hand drawn? Just hand drawn. I did those myself. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Very crude, but they did they did the job, and it was 1987. That you know, it's uh... yeah. But I think I would say that the difference between this and the book that you've just recently done on Leipzig, yeah, is pretty pictures and better layout, yeah, because the, all the information's in there, that's, isn't it? That's, to, to put a game on, that's the thing. And you know, just flicking through through the uh, the the one that I can't pronounce, and sure, I should have picked the other one, shouldn't I? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know it's got it's got lists of battalions and squadrons and guns and war gaming orders of battle and maps and descriptions all the things that you've got in that other yeah, book. You're absolutely right. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's a tried and tested format, isn't it? Yeah, uh, and, it, and it works for everyone. If, if you if you can provide the information, because that that is the main thing. That yeah. the content's got to be there. But if you can make it look nice, great. Why not? And I, I take it these are out of print now. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, I, I haven't. I've, I I see the odd. Um, and Schulz mm. publishing on a couple of second-hand bookstores. Yeah. Uh, they come up on eBay every now and yeah. then, I think. Yeah. Um, if we take it down to um, Antiques Roadshow, um, we're not going to get a fortune. <laughs> I would, are we? I so we're not going to get a fortune. Um, if you sign it, maybe. <laughs> would, or would that, I never write on books. Would, would that half the price rather <laughs> yeah, than Probably, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, you've got those two really, really nice books on, on fighting the battle. And I seem to remember a period probably mid-90s, where Franco-Prussians seemed to be quite popular in 15 mil. Yeah, there was a bit of surge in it, I do, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think it's... Do you think it'll come back when the Perrys finally get the finger out and do the French <laughs> infantry that I need for my battle? <laughs> Mr Perry. Well, uh, sorry, uh, do you think it'll become... It certainly won't harm it, will it? Yeah, yeah it, won't. it certainly won't harm I, it. I, I think... mean, it's not the ideal scale, to be fair, for Franco-Prussian war. No, because... It's not it's not an area of expertise for me at all, but the the big big battles aren't they? The big big battles with long long ranges, and I think that's that's the problem. That if you if you've got even a, a big table like yours, you know, six mm. foot deep, but the artillery could just fire. Yeah, you know, yeah, a mile and a half, yeah, two miles not, if they wanted to. It's, it's not too it's not too good. Is it? Yeah, <laughs> the t- ten mil figures it works great. I think. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Well, um, Penn and Draken do a really nice range, do. don't they? Yeah, they do. Very nice range. Which is uh, which is nice to see. I mean, the thing that with the Resorgimento stuff that I've done, it's relatively small battles. Yeah. Um, terrain pain plays fairly large part in it because it's quite hilly. So, although you know the the Battle of Mentana that I'm going to do, it's the first use of the Shazpo that we mm. talked about before we started recording. Mm. Um, but it doesn't really 
have a massive effect on the battle because you can't see that far to use your, no. your massive range. No. Exactly. So, you know, um, some peasant with a red shirt on with a smoothbore musket can hit you, mm. doesn't matter what you've got. You can't do it six times in a minute, though. That's no, the... no, you can't. <laughs> no. You can't. Oh, there's a letter in that one. Oh, I think that was... <laughs> I, think, I think that was just somebody asking me a question. I, oh, yeah, I think yeah, I just tucked yeah, it yeah. away in there, yeah. Well, this... Um, this is from second uh, of December, nineteen eighty-seven. Someone's written to Steve an actual letter. An actual letter. <laughs> I forgot I'd got that. Yeah, yeah. And um, he's not answered it. He's just left it there. So whoever that is, um, we're going to apologise. <laughs> um, and then the third book in this little series is a is a Franco-Prussian War guide, um, which for somebody like me would be absolutely ideal because I really don't know anything about the period. And is the is the is there something like this out now that? people can get it's as we're saying it's kind of one of those wars that because we haven't got too much and by we i mean british mm. uh, not yorkshire british uh, involvement um that it, it tends to come and go as a period of interest for gaming yeah it, it seems to have those little spurts every now and then where mm. and as you said maybe with the pennies bringing out their, their figures yeah. it might give it a push but yeah. i don't see it ever being mainstream to be honest no no and i've heard um rich clark from two fat lardies talk about it and he's mm. really into the period I, I think that's the thing you know people that are are yeah. that you know they, they really they're willing to sort of yeah. shell out books and, mm. and and go into it but but i think he i think he said that financially or business-wise mm. for him to spend the time Playtesting and getting a set of rules and getting it produced, it'd just be financial suicide because right. three <laughs> pe- three people would buy it and yeah. two of them are in this room. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I, I I reconciled myself to that fact a long time ago. Yeah. Like, for me, it's it's a personal sort of interest. Yeah. It's a personal passion. It's something I've always been interested yeah. in. You do think that sometime that that people would get bored of Waterloo? And Napoleonics and search for something else, and they just never do. You know, um, I I was the the first battle I was really fascinated in was Waterloo, um, and I had a book with the order of battle in the back, and I, you know, I put a line under each unit as I painted it. Yeah, yeah. Um, And still, people are fascinated with it now, Mm. years and years and years later. For me, it's one of the most boring battles to fight that there is. (laughs) It's. You know, it, there's no for me. Well, it's just an opinion, but there's no tactical interest in it. Really, it's just a frontal slog yeah. against a difficult position to attack. Yeah. And yeah, compared but, to some other battles, yeah, I think it was Wellington that said they came on in the same old mm. way. And we saw them off in the same old way. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think um, Napoleon had clearly reached his peak as a as a commander and, and yeah. started to go fairly rapidly. Well, down Bordino's another one. It's, you know, yeah. he, he didn't show a lot of imagination in that one. And it was, again, it's, I think it's a fairly uninteresting battle to, mm. to fight. I mean, more so than Waterloo, but there are lots more that are, are more gameable, I think. You know, in my yeah, and a lot more interesting. Yeah, and, like, like Vagram or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and, and a lot more opportunity to not necessarily repeat history. Yeah, that, yeah, that's mm. it. You get a bit more chance to manoeuvre. You've got a few options. But at Borodino, what can you do? I yeah. Mean, the, the, the grand redoubts there, you, you've got to take it. Haven't yeah, you? yeah, you, you can't just ignore it. <laughs> no, can't ask them to leave nicely, can you? You've got to, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, lads, do you mind just fucking <laughs> off? So the Franco-Prussian stuff, you, you, you've done a lot on that, and you, you've 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 come back to it over the years, and um, we're, we're now we're now going into the the pile of books I'm working down. Um, we're going down, and we've got colour. We've got colour. Yeah. 
we've got we've got <clears> pictures <throat> and everything. And and these we've got two um, Osprey books here on the French army from the Franco-Prussian War. Um, and um, you've done the, them with a guy called Louis Del, Del, Del Perrier, yeah. Del, yeah, that could have been anything if I said it. <laughs> um, and then the second one with Richard and Christina Cook. So what was your involvement in these then? Well, I, I suggested the titles to Osprey and, and I, I wrote them. But mm. uh, Louis is, well, he's definitely the, the foremost expert on the uniforms of the period. And the the, uh, the editor at Osprey put me in touch with him. So I went over to Paris and, and met yeah. him and... You know, took him out for lunch and we had a, had a chat and oh, he said, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely interested in, in helping out with this. Brilliant. And uh, these are the, the, the standard Osprey format. format. So we've got Men-at-Arms Series 233 and Men-at-Arms Series 237. And it's the colour plates in the middle with the descriptions and mm. photographs and stuff and then the uh, plates at the back with the description of the plates and what's actually on the plates there. If you if you actually if you have a look in that white box there in the final one, mm-hmm. you should see some um, chasseurs appeared in campaign dress. I'm just, oh, I'm yes. just getting a seal of approval here from uh, oh, from Steve yeah, from the very expert. Nice. Uh, yeah, they, they, the Perry they're the Perry the Perry metal ones. <laughs> oh, yeah, because yeah. none of us are waiting for the plastic ones to come out, are we? <laughs> let it go, okay, let it go. <laughs> <laughs> I even emailed them. I even emailed them. I'm, I think um, I that got you somewhere, didn't it? Yeah, no, actually, they did reply. Oh, right, I think right. Alan replied and said, "Stop being a knobhead." <laughs> yeah, yeah um, no, he, he replied very nicely and said. Uh, it's it's actually with Rendira, I think it is the people who oh, do them. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's in a huge pile, pile of stuff waiting to be. They, they are well up to Perry standards. That they yeah, go. Really, really nice. They are. Um, maybe you can explain why are they classed as light infantry with all that stuff yeah, in the back. I was just about to say why have they got their packs on? Because <laughs> they certainly dumped them before the battle started. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's an inter- <laughs> and they've got there's, there's like a, a ginormous lump on the back that allows you to glue the pack on. Right. So it's not like you can just not have the pack. The pack's going on. Oh, or, or all of them are Quasimodo, basically. That's the only way you can do it. Okay. Uh, but, but there we go. Um, and then the second book, you've, you've got another couple of people involved. They're, um, they're, just the, they're the artists. They're the artists yeah. who, uh, who are involved. Oh, yes, Garibaldi turned up with the French, didn't he? He did, yeah. And then um, the Papal... Oh, there they are, the Papal Zouaves. Yeah. Um, I've got couple of massive units of them for mental yeah um and of course they uh the ones that um a few french people and other nations went there to fight for the french in the franco-prussian war after they'd finished uh doing the garibaldi bit uh so yeah that's fantastic and then up, more or less up to date this is a quite a new one isn't it this one well the, the ospreys are over 30 years ago, over 30 years <laughs> yeah. ago. wow yeah yeah, I've been uh, a bit lazy since then. Yeah, yeah, had a bit of time off. Yeah, had a bit of time off. I had six weeks off after five podcasts, and you had thirty years off after two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not very yeah, good, is it? It's not too good. No, it's a bit shabby. That's yeah, it is. Um, so I'm looking now at uniforms of the Franco-Prussian War, French Army, 1870. Uh, Steve Shan and Robert Marion. So, uh, what's your involvement with this one? Well, this one's a bit a bit of a story actually, because yeah. I I got a, an email out of the blue from. Uh, mm. Dave Ryan, you know, at Caliber Books. Yeah. Usual terse email from Dave. That, that he, he tends to put most of the message in the, in the heading. Yes. He just said, are you busy? Question mark. <laughs> I thought, a stupid question. But yeah. it, it turns out that um, Bob Marion, who you know everybody knows yeah. his, his artwork, I mean, it's appeared in God knows how many books yeah. and magazine articles over the years. But he did a book on the 
uh, Prussian army of 1870, well, 12, 13 years yeah. ago. Uh, and Dave published that. And he'd been working on a, a companion volume on the French yeah. army. Uh, but uh, he, he, he died, of course. Mm. Um, and he, he, he said, but he said, the book's done. He said, yeah. he said, but there's like a load of black and white illustrations to go in. And we need somebody to do the captions. Can you do it? Yeah. I said, yeah, sure, no, no problem. It's a mm. few evenings work. It's no, no, no big deal. Next day, there's a knock on the door. Somebody had this, this big <laughs> parcel to me. I thought, what's, what's this? Yeah. I, I opened it up, and it got all these notes in there. Most of it sort of typed up. Load, hundreds of pages of, yeah. of, of sort of uniform bits wow. and bobs. But it also had all 41, I think it's 41, original colour plates that he'd wow. done. And I thought, Christ, these must be worth a fortune. He suddenly yeah. dropped them on me via <laughs> <laughs> postman. Yeah. So I, I looked through it all, and uh, I, I, I soon realised that, it, no, yeah. it wasn't finished. Yeah. <laughs> it was nowhere bloody yeah. near yeah. finished. Yeah. So I messaged uh, Dave. I said, look, I'm, I'm sorry, mate, but it, I, 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 can, I can do the captions for you, no problem, but the, the book's just, not it's, it's not ready. You, you couldn't, mm. you, you, you couldn't, you couldn't publish it. Yeah. He says, well, all oh, right. So I, I just assumed it was. I said, no, yeah. I'm afraid not. He said, well, could you finish it off? I said, well, to be honest, mate, no, I don't think I could because there's a lot of it that's just either it's it's wrong yeah, or it looks like... Well, I think what he'd done is he'd, he collected bits and bobs of information mm. over the years and sort of assembled it all together. Yeah. And... It, it was completely unbalanced. So, like, <clears throat> excuse me, he, he might have, I think he spent like a couple of paragraphs describing the helmet of the colonel of the emperor's bodyguard, which they didn't wear on campaign. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he described the uniform of another regiment that had been disbanded the year before. Oh, yeah. And it, it was stuff like that. So I said, it, it just mm. needs a complete rewrite. He says, oh, great, you'll do it. <laughs> I, I thought, well, that wasn't quite what I said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't quite what I meant either. But yeah. I thought, well, at the end of the day, I mean, his work, the, the plates are just gorgeous. Yeah, they're lovely. They are absolutely nice. gorgeous. And um, I thought, well, he's done the first volume. It, it'd be nice to finish it. So I said, well, look, what I could do is just completely rewrite it, but put all the all the, the details into the uniforms that they actually wore, not, yeah. not the parade ground stuff and all mm. the rest of it. He said, "Yeah, great. So, so, mm. so do that." <laughs> but I thought, you know, what we were talking about before, I've, I've, yeah. the amount of work involved. I thought, "There's no way on God's earth that this is yeah. going to." Yeah. I, I mean, I don't expect it to pay, but mm. it's you know, yeah, you, you would want something because I, I knew there was a lot of work. In. So basically, what I said to him was, "Well, look, if I can have sixteen of the plates, I'll yeah. do it." Yeah, yeah, that's a reasonable. So thing, he yeah. said, "Yeah, fine," because. Yeah. To be honest, if I didn't do it, nobody else was going to do it. So, yeah. so I, I, that was that was the deal. I got, yeah. I got, so I've got sixteen of those original plates at home, oh, which is my yeah. sort of fee for doing it. Which I was delighted to, to yeah. have them, and um, and it's it, it's done, and it, it's on the shelf with mm. his German volume, so it's it completed it. It's and, a, it's a lovely book, and some of these, like you say, these um, illustrations are, are really really nice, very very nice. Yeah, and that's out twenty twenty one, so it's it's, it's pretty new. recent. Yeah. Pretty, yeah. pretty, pretty new. He really, he really had a feel for the period, you know, the the, the just mm. the elegance of the uniforms. He, he really brought it out well, I think. Yeah, and there's there's certainly a looking at them. There's there's certainly an element of a of a lived in look. I think is the best yeah. way to describe it, rather than 
you know, sometimes you'll see illustrations in, in some books that are so prim and proper that, yeah. you know, they probably looked like that for 30 minutes after they came out of <laughs> exactly. the tailors. And, yeah. uh, and, and that was it. But these you know, these guys have got a little bit of mud on the boots. And yeah, that's right. It brings it to life, doesn't it? <clears throat> yeah, it's, 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 it's done where possible in campaign uniform and he's scruffed them up a little yeah. bit. And, yeah. yeah, really, really nice. So that just leaves me with one book in the pile. Um, to 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 have a look at, um, and this is the the Battle of Silo Heights, sixteenth uh, to the nineteenth of April, nineteen forty five. War Gamers Guide. Uh, it's that Steve Sean bloke again who's done it. <laughs> Unfortunately, can't be here today. So, no, exactly. um, and um, this is very similar in format to the Leipzig book. Yeah. Um, and flicking over the first page, self published again. Yeah, it was the first book, one I did. Yeah, one, yeah, first one you did. We we talked about. Very briefly and um, earlier on, for me, it's a very interesting choice um, because I can't remember what film it was, but I remember watching um, quite an extended battle scene about the sea heights on a, in a film once right. that was just literally Germans cowering in, in, <laughs> in dugouts and then Russian tanks driving over the top of yeah. it. Um, so, so what what drew you to? Do this as a yeah. It doesn't sound very yeah. promising on the face. No, it, does it? no. <laughs> you know, if if we're you know if we're sat here and you've you've organised a game and we go right, what we're we doing today, Steve? We're doing sea lion heights. Oh, great! Am I the Russians? <laughs> no, you the you Germans. <laughs> I'm not playing. Yeah. yeah, right. I've got the chippy. <laughs> so what? Why did you choose it? Well, it's a bit of a challenge from a, yeah. a scenario designer's point of view. But yeah. I, I put it on as a demo game back in I think it was 2013 at mm. Party Sam and. Um, that's how it turned out. The, the, the Russian players, mm. as war gamers will do, they attacked very scientifically and gradually wore the Germans down, and they yeah. won relatively comfortably. And that was a that was a nice sort of lesson in you know what I maybe need to think about. Because the thing about this operation was that the Russians were were terrified that the Americans were going to beat them to Berlin. Because the, the, the Americans stopped on the Elbe River, and the understanding was that the Russians would take Berlin. But Stalin, being Stalin, yeah. thought they were lying. Yeah, he didn't little, believe them. A little bit of paranoia. It's just a little yeah, bit, yeah. yeah. And after, yeah, you can understand it after what had gone on yeah. for four years in the East. They wanted to take Berlin. Mm. So he really put the pressure on, on Zhukov, particularly, who was commanding yeah. the, the, main, the main strike, to, to, to get the job done before the Americans got there. Not only that, Zhukov, there was another Soviet commander called Konyev, who was a big uh, mm. rival of Zhukov's. And Stalin was playing them both off against each. And Zhukov's tactics were just brutal. I mean, the casualties that they suffered mm. were just horrendous. But mm. it didn't matter because they'd got so much of everything. Yeah. As long as he got to Berlin first. I mean, there was one story I heard that uh, Konyev's men, they, they'd attacked further south and they'd, mm. they'd managed to get across this river and they'd turned north and were heading to Berlin and it looked like they were going to get there first. And he brought, Zhukov brought up one of his artillery divisions, mm. you know, his mass guns, and started bombarding the head of the Soviet columns yeah. <laughs> just to slow them down. And, you know, this is what you're dealing with. Yeah. You know? So I thought, well, maybe this is how I can make it work. It's because mm. the Germans can't win. I mean, there's no yeah. chance that they were going to stop the, the Russians from getting it. But they didn't know that. They, they thought if we can hold on for a few days, the Americans will get here. Because yeah. they, they assumed that the Americans would just carry on coming. They yeah. didn't know about mm. this agreement to yeah. stop. So what I've done is the, the victory conditions are quite tight for the Soviets. Mm. So they, they can't they can't bugger about. They've got to get a move on. 
So the tactics, yeah, I mean, yeah, you can use tactics, but you can't be too subtle because you, yeah. you're, really, you're on the clock, you yeah. know. So that's how I've sort of balanced it mm. out. I mean, that, that, that's that's really interesting because we've I've played a lot of games, early Desert War games, yeah. where the Italians have got absolutely no mm. chance whatsoever. Mm. Um, but the it's a book by Robert Avery that covers Operation Compass, yeah, um, and and that does a similar thing, and it, it and it makes the objectives for the British player. Sometimes nearly impossible mm. to get to get a convincing win. Yeah, you, you're trying to you, you're trying to play for a winning draw, if you like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. With, yeah, and even then, you, you're tight on time. You can't muck about doing stuff. Well, I, I put a, there's two or three pages in there because I'm not, as I say, we used to rapid fire rules a lot. Mm. So I, I sort of the the orders of battle sort of premised on. But I put in a few extra pages of special rules to yeah. sort of try and give it a bit of extra yeah. flavour. And one of them. Uh, it allows the Soviet infantry to move more quickly, but when they do that, they can't fire themselves, and they're more vulnerable to incoming mm. fire. They're, they're not being very tactical, so it's, it allows you to speed up, but the, the price is likely to be higher casualties, and it's getting that balance mm. right. So, yeah, on, on the one hand, the Germans have got no chance, but they can still win the scenarios yeah. in, in into the game. You know, you, you mentioned um, rapid fire as a set of rules it was based on, but mm. is it compatible with most other? Oh yeah, rules? I mean. Yeah. The, the, People have used them with uh, sort of Blitzkrieg Commander and various other yeah. various other rules. They're not uh, yeah, because I'm just looking at one of the um, the old bats now, and and you're breaking it down into sections and numbers of vehicles and number of guns and stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, really, it should transfer across to anything. Yeah, I mean, it. you'd struggle to do it at platoon level, I think, but for sort yeah. of battalion regimental level rules mm. yeah it would work pretty well so the, the the pictures in this i read at the front are from your collection yeah they, they were all from mine yeah and yeah. Are, they, are these 20 mil they're 20 mil yeah oh, days of 20 mil world oh, war two yes. those are the days those <laughs> are the days interestingly just slightly on the side from this there's a new set of rapid fire out isn't there have you played those rapid fire reloaded i've, I've got them and i've read them yeah. and initially I, I i like the look of them i, I do like the look of them um but the, the lads that, that play them at, at, at chris lauer's house Initially, Chris said, oh, oh no. Yeah, well, it's oh, a big no. change, isn't it? Yeah, it's no, a big change. no, he, he wasn't having it at all. And I said, no, I don't know. I think maybe. I said, to be fair, I haven't played them, but they look, yeah. they look yeah. a lot more intuitive, a bit. I mean, the, the rules, God knows the rules aren't complicated to start with, but yeah. it just sort of smooths out, mm. you know, makes them even quicker. And I I, I, I was all in favour. Apparently now they, they, they love them. Oh, so they, they, they have yeah. converted, but yeah. Brilliant. Um, I'd certainly like to uh, have Colin on the show at some stage. I, I'd just not had a chance to mm. have a chat with him to get him on because uh, I think, although it's not something I played, um, I'm certainly aware that Rapid Fire was a big uh, influence on a lot of World War II gamers over, over many years. Oh, and yeah. to see another version of it come out mm. is, is very, very good to see. So, yeah, that, that's, that's fantastic. And that was the first book. It was, yeah. That was the first. So, what have you got? What have you got in, in loaded and ready to go in terms of books? Are you <laughs> going to do any more? Uh, yeah, I am. What? And like I say, it's thirty years since I did the Ospreys. Yeah, <laughs> so it, it's been a bit of a yeah, it's so been an, a long period. Another thirty years, you might struggle to get something out. Well, yeah, yeah. but it's been sort of you know maturing in mm. in my brain, and I, I, I started a couple of uh, things ages ago, fifteen years ago, and yeah. they're, they're nearly done now. Oh, I, I have this idea because I, I I thought about doing a history of the whole war, and I thought, oh god, yeah. yeah. To do it justice, you'd have to do mm. half a dozen volumes. Yeah, and I just I couldn't face doing it. So I thought I'll pick on aspects that interest me, but try and do it in in real detail. Yeah. You know, mm. so um, I'm, yeah, it's probably going to be called 
studies from the Franco-Prussian War, and then it'll, they'll be numbered, yeah. and then whatever the title is, like the first one's on the mitrailleurs. So it's really sort of super specific. You know, I'm not looking at myself 50 copies, I can imagine, but <laughs> I, don't, I don't particularly care, but I'm, I'm doing it because yeah. know, it, it interests me. And is that going to have, is that going to be purely historical or yeah. is it going to have a war game in no. Slant as well? It's no, purely it's purely historical. Purely historical. And are you thinking about doing any more of these um, war gamers guides? I, I'd like to. I mean, I, I enjoy doing them, mm. but you know, it, they are time consuming. I've got yeah. to say, it's, it's a lot. It is a lot of work, even yeah. even when it's finished. Just organising the layout and the yeah. photographs and everything, bringing it all together, you know, checking everything because you you can do it all yourself. So that's yeah. that's the you know even the proofreading you mm. got to do it all yourself and mm. uh, yeah, it's a lot of work. But yes, I, I would like to do some more. But having having kind of cracked the seal, if you like, of doing it mm. yourself, yeah, has that now? Giving you more confidence to do it, and that was a chair, by the way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, the um, it, does it give you more confidence to do stuff? You're not trying to present it to a publisher. It's like I've well, done it. I've done it. I know what I'm doing. I, 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 I've had enough unhappy experiences with publishers to want to work for, for them. I'd, I'd rather do it myself. Yeah. If, if there are any fuck ups, it's down to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know. Well, I, you know, as I said earlier, when we were talking about the Leipzig book, I think it's brilliant that you've been able to do this to this standard. Um, and I'm sure people have got I, I, these. I couldn't have done it on my own. No, no, <laughs> I, I, know, admit, I, I appreciate that. But you know, if if you if you'd have shown this to your 25 year old self, yeah, you would never have believed that you've done that. No, no. You know, it's um, it's it's an absolute top quality stuff. And I'm not just saying that because you're on the show. Um, you know what I'm like. If it's shy, oh no, no, if you're shy, I'll tell you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I'd but, expect yeah. nothing less. Yeah, uh, and again, if people want to get a copy of that through your nation, yeah, same arms, thing. Yeah, oh, fantastic. Um, and uh, my chair is making lots of funny noises. I do apologise. So we've kind of covered the author thing hmm. very, very well, um, and uh, we've had a chat about your books and your future plans. So we're going to move on to another, another part of your life now it's quite a big part of your life yeah. um and that's painting figures and we i've never had anyone on the show before who uh, has, has done that for a living um it's something i did for a number of years a long time ago now mm, um but um it, it's gonna be interesting for me and i'm sure for the audience to to, to listen and, and chat about a number of things around it but I suppose the first and obvious question is how did you get from the point of being a, a hobby painter to people paying you to paint for them? Like most of the things that have happened in my life, just sheer dumb luck. Really. <laughs> just, just, yeah. I, I wish I could say it was all yeah. planned stage by stage, but yeah. I'd be lying. So if you're going to do a book on business practice, don't ask me. It's going to be like one page, yeah. sheer luck. Yeah, just just <laughs> with the flow. I'd I'd, I'd come back. I'd come back from Spain. Mm. Uh, I didn't have any money. I was living in, in, in Leeds at the time, in Armley at the time. Yeah. And I, I think I, th- I think I might have put an advert in one of the magazines, not with, just flying a kite, really. Yeah. And, and and somebody sort of, you know, commissioned me to do some stuff. And I, I did a few. And it, it sort of helped keep Wolf on the door for, yeah. for a few months. But then the gentleman we had on your show, Chris Flowers. Uh, yeah, good old Chris. It, yeah, he, uh, he, he, he joined the club just a few months after I, I yeah. did. And he, he just didn't have the time to do it himself. Mm. And I just ended up painting for him. Mm. And I, I've been painting for 35 <laughs> years, I think. <laughs> yeah. I think. I think you might have mentioned on your podcast, he probably paid my mortgage about yeah. twice. And he, yeah. he's not exaggerating, I don't think. Yeah. 
And, you know, from that, obviously, more customers came along. Uh, yeah, I've just been fortunate that I've managed to, to stay reasonably busy. And looking back on you started to paint, and, and as you've gone through your painting career, if you mm. can call it that, who were the people that you first looked at as painters and thought, bloody hell? <laughs> um, and, <coughs> yeah. and who were the painters that you've admired over the years? Well, I, I suppose when I was starting out, uh, Wargames Illustrated was still fairly mm. fairly young, so a lot of it was sort of Gilder's stuff, anti-circle yeah. of fame. You know, people like Tony Runke, who was a fantastic yeah, painter. Yeah, brilliant. Absolutely. You know, the Smith was, you yeah. know, a fantastic painter as well. Mm. And Yeah, you look at that stuff and you think, wow. Yeah, <laughs> D- different levels. <clears throat> D- yeah, yeah, very much so. Especially at that time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even now, they, they stand out, I yeah. think. But, you, uh, yeah. And is there any is there any painters as, as as years have gone by that you've kind of gone oh that's I like that yeah I'm, I'm, I'm people f- like Mark Allen and um, what well, well, Mark's Greg actually just he's just doing a lot of flags for me does he bless yeah. him <laughs> yeah yeah I mean his flag's absolutely gorgeous yeah. I, I couldn't afford to get him to paint figures for me yeah. but I could I could afford the odd flag but yeah I mean he's in fact I, I do have a few figures that he. He did paint from it. I picked up elsewhere, but yeah, yeah. He's, he's a great painter. I mean, um, like James Roach, you know, yeah. all the time, lad. Yeah, very, yeah. very distinctive style. You know, when, when you look at them in close-up photos, they look almost mm. caricatures, but as, yeah. as units, they really work. Yeah. Because he paints and he paints in enamels. He does, he? yeah. Which means he doesn't have to varnish them, so you get the true, the true, true color of the figures. Through, yeah. And uh, I and really, really like his stuff. We're going to go controversial <laughs> now, slightly. Um, <laughs> Are you drawn to painters who have a recognisable style or are you drawn to painters that are extremely accurate and what's, no, what, what I, draws I, you to a painter? I mean, I, you look at some of the, the, the painters that paint for, say, Wargames Foundry that they, mm. you know, they have on their, you know, like Tom Vice and people like yeah. that. The, 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 the artistry is unbelievable. But... I, I can't afford to spend two hours painting a figure yeah. or however long it takes. Mm. And, you know, I mean, the, uh, they probably are war gamers, yeah. but I can't imagine they war game on the scale that you and I like yeah. because it's not you, you just couldn't do it. So um, I, sh- I, I like, well, I, again, can come back to, the, to, to, to James. He's, mm. his, his work rate is incredible. Yeah. I mean, he really gets through the stuff, but he mm. does it to such a high standard, you know, as well as painting for other people because he does it for a living as well. Um yeah, no, I, I I like sort of bold use of colours. I'm not too fussed about precision. I, I, yeah, because you know, most of the time the figures are four or five mm. feet away, and I like them to pop, you know, from the table. So mm. I, I tend to paint sort of lighter than you know than mm. maybe you might think. Because there are, there are certain painters, aren't there? I mean, um, who you look at a figure and you know it's them straight away. Yeah. I mean, Doug Mason, the way that oh, he absolutely. changes all the yeah. poses of all the figures, absolute, yeah. absolute, amazing. And you know, it's you know, it's his figures. Yet I can see stuff in in, in some situations, mostly on Facebook, where people will do two or three really, really nice French infantry figures, mm. which is going to get a sod all the way to fighting Leipzig. <laughs> it, you know, it's we're going to be able to do. Six foot of Leipzig, not six foot table, six foot of the <laughs> entire battle with three figures. Yeah. And there's never a completed unit. No. Because you have to paint differently. Well, it comes it? back to the Venn diagram earlier on. Yeah. That I, I'm a war gamer first and foremost, so I've got to make compromises. Mm. I mean, I have, like, we were talking about those lunch necks earlier, you know, that that was 
for me, going too far. Yeah. But I, it, to be honest, it was an experiment. I wanted to see what I could yeah. make them look like. And the difference, I must admit, was pretty startling. Mm. But there's no way I could spend that amount of time painting another, no. another 72. I'd have no. topped myself, I think, first. <laughs> so. When you're, you're, you're painting yourself, there's a difference um, to painting for money because there's a financial value involved, isn't there? So you could, if you wanted... You know, let's say you were massively into Richard the Lionheart. Yeah, you could spend three weeks for your own figure, yeah, or, and and make it absolutely brilliant. But nobody's going to pay you three weeks worth of money for one figure, are they? No, they're, they're not. But to be honest, I don't tend to do that. Yeah, even with command figures, mm. uh, yeah, sure, you spend a little bit on them, but no, I. They're there to, to be played with, and if somebody drops them on the floor, I don't want to have a yeah. sleepless night over it, you know. Yeah, because yeah. So. you spent months. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. Because I, I, I see some figures, and um, especially medievals, where they've done the heraldry and stuff mm. all by hand, oh, and it's all yeah. shaded, and it looks amazing, but I wouldn't dare put it on a table. Uh, yeah. somebody, so somebody puts their hand on top of it and then crushes it. Well, what was that game at, at Partizan? Uh, the, is it the, the Bodkins, is it called? The, the, uh, is it Dave Andrews? Da- and David his... Imrie, is it? Or... Was it Dave Andrews? I'm not, I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure. But that, yeah. They did, um, was it Cressy? Or, yes, or, yes. With, yeah, with all the individual stuff. On I there. mean, you, you look at those and you just think, wow. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that's, that must have been a long-term project. Yeah. Um, but it, it was just out of the work without yeah. this world. But mm. would I let the ham-fisted bugs <laughs> within a mile of them. No, I wouldn't if I if I painted those myself. Which is why I don't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Paint them nicely, but enough. Yeah, is enough. and I, and I think there's a there's a joy in a unit as well as a, as a joy in an individual figure, isn't there? Well, I don't look at individual figures to be honest. Yeah. unless it's maybe a command group. Mm. Uh, it's it's the impression, and it's not just one battalion. It's hopefully ten or yeah. twenty or thirty. Yeah. You know, and yes. it's and. Uh, but the thing is, it's the terrain for me. Average figures on fantastic terrain, you've got a great game. Wonderful figures on crap terrain. Mm. Unless people are looking really, really closely, they don't notice the, the, the figures, do they? Well, I, I, I saw that at Fiasco, oh, it must be 15, 20 years ago, that there was a, uh, I don't know, it was 100 years war game, but there's knights with all the barding on the horses yeah. and all the rest of it. And I walked past it several times because the terrain was like the old, old TSS tiles. Yeah. People obviously bent yeah. on with their elbows. Yeah. It looked like a moonscape, you know. I didn't really give it a second glance. Yeah. And I, I was walking past, it's near the end of the show, and I was a bit bored, and I, I just yeah. had a close look, and the figures were Amazing. unbelievable. It, it was one of the, um, the comedy moments of most war game shows in the 1990s was somebody who just bought a massive stack of those TSN yeah. <laughs> yeah. and they'd, they'd either trip and knock them off all everywhere, or they'd walk into a wall because they couldn't see where they were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, hours of fun with those. Times. Mm. I mean, they, were, they were groundbreaking at the time. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were absolutely groundbreaking at the time. So, how long was it to decided till you decided to go full time? Was it was it Chris kind of going right? I need these doing. Was that the point where you went okay? Well, it sort of coincided with sort of moving in with somebody. So you've got a mortgage to pay and yeah. all the rest of it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I had to get a proper job. So I, I, I got a proper job for about. <laughs> nine months, I think. Oh, I and it was it was it was about for council, and yeah. it, it was a great job. I, I enjoyed doing it. The people were really nice, but I thought I can't do this full time yeah. for the next four years. Yeah. So 
I, I went job share. I thought I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll yeah. test the water first. So I, I went job share, and uh, and then I painted the second half of the week. Yeah. So like one week I'd go into the office for, th- for three days. Next week I'd go in for two days, and yeah. then the rest of the time yeah. I was at home painting. Mm. And I did that for oh, probably fifteen years, and mm. then uh, I, the, the, the job changed, and I, I wasn't enjoying it as much. And the work was coming in, so I mm. thought, oh, what the hell? Let's yeah. let's give it a go, you know. And yeah. uh, that was, and I've been full time ever since. I think that was about two thousand and five, something like yeah, that. Yeah, so, so quite a long quite time. A while, yeah, still quite a long time ago. And have you ever? Has everything? come to you through word of mouth or have you ever like done a big advertising splurge i've been really lucky i've never really had to i mean you get frankly speaking megalomaniacs like chris yeah. <laughs> you, know, you don't need many people all, like that really we all need we all need one chris flowers <laughs> yeah. in our lives yes, we do yeah we do i mean chris i mean when he first moved up he had a sort of a, a very small collection of three or four thousand figures. You know, yeah. it was, that sounds ridiculous when yeah, you say yeah. it that way, doesn't it? But uh, I mean, look at it now. But um, mm. I mean, Chris loves his wargaming, but he, he's, he's a collector as yes, well, yes, and he, yes. he just enjoys building up different yeah. armies. And so there's always something that that yeah. he, he fancies. And so for the last thirty odd years, I've been sort of <laughs> filling, filling that gap. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember when I spoke to Chris in on. on the episode I did with him, I went to his house yes. and we, we sat in his war games room. You're very familiar with it. For, li- for listeners who haven't listened to that episode, it's a lovely table and then one wall is completely covered with trays full of figures. Very yeah. similar to the, the war games holiday centre setup, but this is like floor to ceiling. And the bit where we did war gamer painter, historian, collector, it, I kind of, before, it, I, before we did it, I said, you can't say you're not a collector with that lot behind you. <laughs> no. You're not going to get away with it with me. Well, he's got this habit of, he'll say, well, I want to build up you know, a French army or an mm. Austrian army. Or, you know, I'm, I'm doing Swedes for him at the moment, which is the last sort of major army yeah. he hasn't got. But there's always some they're not, weird... that, they're not in that book. No, no, they're not. <laughs> no, no, he pointed that does out. He yeah. Yeah, he does he know? He does, oh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. That's all right. <laughs> but uh, he's got this habit of finding these odd regiments. Yeah. What a nice uniform! Yeah, and he'll ring me up and say, "What figures could they use for that?" I said, "I've, I've no, no idea, idea, Chris. No, yeah. I, I, in fact, I wouldn't even bother looking." You tell me. <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> it never works. <laughs> bless him, bless him. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about pricing and stuff like that, but mm. not in, not in details of actual figures. But um, looking at other painters who advertise and stuff like that, they te- they will do different standards. So do you? This is a Steve Shan figure. This is what you get in, or do you have basic, better and best, or how do you? No, no. I I decided from the start that I I think I realised quite early on that I didn't really want to work for anybody else. Yeah, yeah. You know, so how can I avoid doing that? Well, I could send my wife out to work. I suppose yeah, yeah, like it was yeah, on the idea. face. It seemed a good idea, but yeah. uh, I thought no, that's probably not a long term plan, yeah. is it? So I thought. I, I can do this, and I think it's something that I could do and enjoy, and I think it's something I can get better at as well mm. with with practice. It's just, you know as long as I can find people that are happy yeah, with sure. what they're getting, then that's mm. you know that, that's that's fine. But I think I was so yeah, I think actually maybe desperate is the right word. <laughs> I think I was so desperate to be able to yeah do things the way I wanted to do them, you know, mm. sort of live my life the way I yeah. prefer to do it, yeah. which yeah. is not yeah. frankly going out and doing a job I'm not interested in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I thought, how can I make this work? Yeah. I thought, well, I suppose I could sort of do it so cheaply that yeah. <laughs> I'd be buried under under yeah. commissions, or 
I could try and sort of find the happy medium, mm. you know. So I thought, well, again, coming back to Chris, what what he wanted was nicely painted board games units, but not so expensive that he could buy loads of them. Yeah, I mean, Chris, is, you know, he's got money, but I mean, it, yeah. you know, it, 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 you don't want to be silly about it. Again, we come back to the point: yeah. if you if you're paying a lot of money per figure, you're talking a lot of money yeah. for the size of units. Yeah. in Grand yeah. Manor, for example, you know, thirty, forty, fifty figures yeah. in a unit. You know, a ten a ten p <laughs> increase on a figure for a thirty six man unit. Yeah, soon starts well, churning it, over, doesn't it? Yeah, and making a big difference. Uh, absolutely, price. it does. Yeah, so. It was a question of turning out nice-looking war games mm. units at a price that you know yeah. somebody that's got money to spend on a hobby could, can afford, yeah. and that you know they'd be willing to to pay. Yeah. And uh, I, it was a bit of sort of suck it and see involved, really, to start with. I managed to pitch it more or less that I was making a reasonable mm. living, and then yeah, well, that's good. And do you again not going into ex- exact, but do you charge? For a figure, or do you charge for your time? Because I've seen it done in different ways with different people. No, I think for the customer's sake, you've got to do it for the figure because then yeah. they know exactly what's, what's yeah, going what on. Yeah, what are paying for. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I I don't mind painting like whole units at a time. So I can paint yeah. 30, 40 figures in one go. So you yeah. get that production line going. Mm. Whereas some people paint sort of batches of maybe four, six, eight, whatever, which yeah. I, I've never found to be very cost effective. I tend to paint in big batches. But mm. at the end of the day, it's it's my job. And I have to try and look at it like that. You yeah. Know? Sometimes you think another battalion of Highlanders, but yeah. You know, would you prefer to go to the office? Where's the paint? You know? <laughs> just, yeah. where's, where's the book on painting time? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's. Uh, uh, and do, do you find that do you find that the people um, will tend to give you the harder stuff to do, or do you, do you get a good mix where you have a you know a unit of Arab spearmen that's just got. Uh, you know, one colour coat on and a spear yeah. and Württemberg guard or something like that in some horrendous uniform. Uh, do you get a reasonable mix or do you find that people fire them really difficult units at you? Well, if they do, they're not last long. <laughs> no, 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 to be honest, no, I'm, I'm, that, no, I'm, I'm joking. That, that's, never been, that's never been an issue. The number of people I've actually painted for over the years is actually quite small. It, yeah. I've just been lucky that I've had, I mean, Chris, but also other people that have, mm. I've had regular work from. And you know they they're they're serious about their hobby, and you know they 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 want what they want. So yeah. if I do ten battalions of British, one of them's likely to be a battalion of Highlanders, yeah. which is fair enough. But yeah, and um, has it been mentally? I think it's been much better for you um, doing this than working in an office. Yeah. But finan- financially, is it has it been difficult to make it pay? Or have you only um, had the right people's customers? It's it, it's always paid enough that you know. Yeah, we've we've been okay. Yeah. But I, I'd be lying if I said that I wouldn't have earned more if I'd been a yeah. teacher or worked yeah. in an office or or whatever. Um, but that was never really an option that I, I yeah. fancied. So it was a sacrifice I was willing to make. Let's mm. put it that way. So just in general, just in general, then, um, and I'll kind of state my position on this before I get yours uh, get myself in trouble already um, it might just be being in Yorkshire but I think Wargame is a tight bastard <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think that you know doing a lot of painting myself I'm aware of how much work goes into yeah. getting a good figure and, and a, a good big unit as well um, and I 
I'm kind of think, and I've heard the conversation at shows and stuff as well, just on the periphery, um, where you kind of look at something, a, a unit of figures that might be on for. There used to be a guy who used to take painted stuff around the shows, and he used to be like two hundred quid or something like that mm. for a unit. Mm. And people go, oh, "Oh, well, that's a lot of money." That but when you break it down, it isn't really in mm. terms of time, you know, hours, especially now with more prevalence of plastic stuff where you have where you're making it as well as painting it. Um, what what are your kind of thoughts on that? Do you think there's war game as a type or however you want to phrase it? But but I think war games tend to pay less than things are worth. That's probably a better way of putting it. I, I think because for the people that are buying the figures for them, it's a hobby. Yes. Whereas for me, it's a living. Yeah. And they don't always remember the, the yes. difference. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, if, if they're in business themselves, they tend to understand it a bit, a bit more. But one thing I have noticed, weirdly, is that even people that are willing to spend quite a lot of money on figures, if they want large numbers of yeah. them, they seem very reluctant to spend money on terrain. Yes. Because I, 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 I sort of make buildings and yeah. stuff like that as yeah. well. And that, that's, that can be pretty time consuming, depending on how detailed you want them to be. Yeah. Th- that's one area where I don't tend to cut corners because you've got to put the time in to make, to make them look right. Yeah. So if, if you want to have a, a nice building making, that, that could be you know, mm. what something might consider to be a lot of money. But, mm. well, I can't do it for any less than that. No, I, I, I think there is a... Uh, I've had David Marshall on the show mm. in the past. He's yeah. an absolutely amazing terrain cool, builder. Certainly is. Um, and, and to be honest, looking at his stuff, I didn't dare ask him about prices yeah. um, because I, I can't imagine any of that. I mean, some of the stuff that he's done recently, there was a there was a huge port scene in twenty eight mil that literally had filled up the room that he was using for modelling. Mm. Um, I'd, I'd be worried about well, those things he did for Ian Smith. You know that yeah. big American Civil War fort and that big peninsula yeah. thing he did as well. It's just breathtaking, yeah. isn't it? Amazing stuff. Amazing stuff. Um, so. Get your hands in your pocket, people. Stop me. T- <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Because <laughs> we, we were talking, we were talking off air earlier on um, about one of my little World War Two ships. Mm. I'll say little. The the base is a 22 centimeters by six, um, and I, re- I I worked out at ten pounds an hour, including the model and bits and pieces. I would have to sell them for about 125 quid to make ten for ten pound an hour. Yeah. Now, I don't know whether people would walk at that or whether we would go oh, yeah give me 20 mm. but um most of the war gamers i know would go Ooh, how much i'll give you 20 quid well the, the, the model cost me 17 quid yeah uh, so um I, I do think that maybe especially when you compare us to model railways uh we talked about that earlier downstairs as well three four hundred quid for a single loco yeah i mean it's, it's funny how, how people put value on things isn't it i mean Friends of mine that are non-war gamers, when, when they hear how much stuff costs, they're a bit taken aback sometimes. And I, yeah. I, I say, well, you know, somebody might buy a collection that's ready to go and they might spend £5,000 on it, which, sure, yeah. on your hobby, that's a lot of money. But you go out and buy a car, the second you drive it off the forecourt, yeah. that, that amount's gone up in, in yeah. carbon monoxide and nobody thinks twice about mm. that. Or you might go on a nice holiday somewhere in the sun and... And some, some of these older figures um, done by the people we were talking about earlier on, mm. they're only going to appreciate in value. Yeah. Um, you know, if I could if I could get my hand on some classic Italian Wars figures, mm. then, you know, I'd pay top dollar for them. Yeah. Um, but just, well, 
thank you very much for talking about that because I know it's not an easy subject to talk about pricing and stuff like that. But I think it's important to get it out there that that I think that we're war us as war gamers uh, are underpaying for things that people are physically producing. Well, I think war gaming, the hobby itself, has got a lot more professionalised, hasn't it? The last few decades, yeah. You know, I mean, I remember you know when we started out, there were a few very small companies mm. making figures yeah. in their back rooms, and it was you know pretty cheap and cheerful. You know, people make their living out of it now, and yeah. I think. Yeah, people have to try yeah. and understand that. Yeah, and I know that's a, that's a very good point because it was kind of like a cottage industry, mm. wasn't it? I mean, we both know um, a chap called Steve Royan who used mm. to run Hallmark figures yeah. and, and that was done, casting was done in his garage mm. and it was all run from his uh, rear bedroom in his house. Whereas now you've got the likes of Warlord Games that yeah. have got, I don't know, 50 employees or maybe even more and mm. a big warehouse and it's run more on a... Oh, better not say Aldi, had I? Um, more on a Sainsbury's basis. <laughs> um, it's run as a as a big business, yeah. Um, yeah. and um, there's positives and negatives. Yeah. Very much so. Very yeah. much so. Um, so geeky painters out there are going to want to know the sort of stuff that you use and um, and that sort of stuff. Um, it's like uh, when guitarists get together; they always want to know oh, what pedals have you got, oh, what, what, all this sort of stuff. So. Um, Tell us about your, your your paint table setup. What, how you know you're sitting there all day um, mm. working. Got to be a comfortable comfortable environment. So how have you set that? Up? I, I'm surprised I haven't got a lot more back trouble to be honest because it, it's my war games table which yeah. has got like a cross brace underneath it. Yeah. And I just rest my foot on that. I, right. I rest I rest my uh, my left hand on my knee, which is sort of holding the brush, and yeah. then I bring the figure to it and paint right. it that way. It's very unergonomic. I was going to say, you've not had somebody in and got a fancy chair. Or no, anything. no. I, some people can paint sort of freehand, you know, with a straight back and all the rest of it. I, I, yeah. I, I find that difficult. Yeah. yeah. And what sort, what's your, what's your light sourcing? Have you, have you got specialised lamps in there or... Uh, I used to have a couple of just strip lights that were completely inadequate. Yeah. And then when, when we had the cellar redone, I, this guy, the electrician, came on and says, oh, well, there were these sort of, I don't know, a little white light or something. They're, yeah. they're, they're miles better. They, yeah. they give up. But again, no sort of direct lighting onto the figure. So I'm a bit sort of slapdash about that. Yeah. Me. So you don't you don't use it like I have a, an hot light, a hobby light that, yeah. that sits over the top of the desk. You don't have no, no, no. It's pretty, pretty, pretty yeah. basic stuff, really. Uh, and. Uh, we're, we're, we're both um, older than we were when yeah. we were younger, uh, is one way of putting it. Yeah. Um, so, are you using glasses to paint? Are you using yeah. magnification? Uh, glasses for sure, yeah. The yeah. last sort of 10 or 12 years I've had to wear glasses. I, I, yeah, I can't see a damn thing without them. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Have yeah. you ever had a go? Have you ever had a go with one of these? Um, you look like a right pillar. <laughs> But <laughs> you put on your head <laughs> these things that you put on your head, and they've got lights and, they, yeah. and like yeah. three different lenses. And all. Yeah. I the, the problem that I I'm not I'm getting better now, but when I started to use magnification because my eyes were starting to go a little bit, I had problem judging where the end of the paintbrush was. Yes, because everything yeah, yeah. obviously, obviously, everything was bigger. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but the end of the paintbrush was getting to the figure quicker because it yeah. was going a shorter distance. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. And, uh, there was a lot of splodges yeah, over stuff. Mark, Mark one eyeball. Mark one yeah. eyeballs. That's yeah. quite good, mate. That's quite good that you've not had to. No, stoop. Uh, glasses are the only sort of yeah. compromise I like to make, really. Yeah, because I'm, I'm, 
they have the um, spinny thing in Asda with the cheap reading glasses on, and I'm going down that very quickly with the <laughs> increased magnification to, <laughs> to get to get what I need. <laughs> so, um, talk a little bit about techniques then, um, and horses. Are you still doing your horses in oils? Yeah, usually. Yeah. yeah. So, just for people who don't know, just briefly explain that technique. Well. Clean the horse up, yeah. stick up a piece of card usually, and then I give it a, a coat of white enamel, yeah, just to seal the thing, and then I paint the horse usually soft orange or yeah. some shade of yellow or whatever, mm. um, something reasonably bright. Yeah, it's the, it's the oil paint over the top. Leave it for several hours to dry, and then yeah. just wipe, wipe off. off. And yeah, it's 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 quick, but yeah. it's it's a decent effect as well. It, it's amazingly effective. Yeah, it and is amazingly effective. Or every time I do it, I think. And and do you do big groups of horses yeah. using that technique? Definitely. It's, yeah, it's yeah. unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. It's such I, a messy job. That, yeah. yeah. I, I've done 80, 100 yeah. easily, and just my hands are just. <laughs> yeah. There are, there, are, there are people that wear like gloves, rubber gloves now, mm-hmm. um, when they're painting stuff. And you watch a lot of videos on YouTube. Uh, I mean, the amount of oil paint that's gone through my hands yeah. over the years, it can't be bad for you. Because I'm, yeah, I'd have dropped dead by now. Oil, I've had on there. Yeah. Do you use? Um, and don't forget, we're on Geek Zone now. So, um, do you use the bottom layer? Do you paint that as oil, or do you use acrylics for that bottom layer, the first bright layer? No, I use acrylics for that. Yeah, yeah. no, but it, it doesn't seem to matter. I, I used to use enamels, and I thought because obviously took a long longer to dry. I thought, yeah. I wonder what happened with acrylics, and nothing happened. So yeah, I do that. Yeah. yeah, no, it's a switch that I made because <laughs> I started. When I started, I used oil for that, and then I would ha- I would leave them for like a week before I put the top coat on, mm. and I, I was kind of going, "Well, oh, this is a bit stupid." This, what if I try acrylics very much the same as yourself? Yeah, and, and obviously, it, it works. It works fine. So you mentioned earlier on that black was your preferred undercoat. Yeah, for black a or very dark grey. Yeah. So, so there's a. French infantryman in front of you. What's your plan of attack for that? Do you, you talked about batches. So, how, what sort yeah. of size batches do you do? Yeah, well, typically a battalion might be say thirty-six. That is a minimum, right? And if I've got, I mean, sometimes not so much now, but in years gone by, when customers were building collections up, or I'm building my own collection yeah. up, um, I might think, well, I'll do a couple of battalions at once. You know, yeah. so you're putting seventy-two through in one yeah. go. And as long as you, if, if you've got a plan in your head that you just Try and maybe do one or two stages every day before you know where you are, you've done them. And when, mm. when it's done, it's done. It's two yeah. battalions rather than just one. Yeah, and it works that way. Yeah, it does. Yeah, but again, if I were painting say lunch next, I'd do them in or, or Confederates. I'd yeah. probably do them in batches of maybe four or six because you want all the variation of colours and, yeah. and then do you know ten, twelve batches and then mix them all up and base them. Yeah, I was going to say with something like that, would you do um, six to eight very similar and then another six to eight? Very similar to each other, but different to the first lot. And well, then with, mix them with all the Lanchnecks, you mean? With Lanchnecks or uh, Confederates or yeah, I mean, a, a you, non-uniform, a non-uniform. Well, you, you tend to have a dominant colour, don't you? Yes. You know, so yeah. maybe sort of button or grey or whatever yeah. the case of Confederates. So mm. I might do sort of eight or ten in yeah. with grey jackets and another eight or ten with grey trousers, mm. yeah. and then reverse it for brown or tan or whatever else you're using, and yeah. you know, just build it up that way. And you just, it, the thing is, if you keep the batches coming through, you, you finish something off every day, which you know psychologically is quite helpful. You know, yeah. when, you, when you're doing yeah. a job like that. Do you build 
dark to light? Do you use washes? How, how do you, you paint the figure? I, I, I must admit, I rarely use washes. I mean, sometimes, mm. sometimes mainly on drums or you know, mm. drum skins or maybe on yeah. faces I might use them. But no, usually it's, 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 it's dark to light. I mean, some people paint, you know, sort of hands and faces first, don't they? Whereas I tend to do those last. Yeah. So. Oh, good. Because yeah. <laughs> I, I've never understood why do people do faces and hands first. No. Because no. I do the big areas first, and I can be as messy as exactly. I want. That, that, yeah. it, but if I've just painted and got an absolutely perfect face and pair of hands, and then I'm doing this massive area of armour would be the worst for me, because I usually sure, dry yeah. brushing and washes yeah, for, exactly. for armour. Yeah. All I'm going to get is a silver face, yeah. which is, <laughs> and I'm going to have to paint it again. So I just don't understand that. So I'm glad you, you're that way, that, yeah. that way around, yeah. <laughs> as we say. Are you painting mostly in acrylics or entirely in acrylics? Mm. Almost entirely. Yeah. 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 I, I, they're just quicker and easier to use, yeah. dry quicker. Yeah. And has that developed over the years? Have you, have you, did you start with enamels and then come into acrylics? No, I, I, I tried enamels just to see if it worked. Yeah. And I probably didn't give it enough practice. But to be honest, I thought, well, acrylics are fine. They, they mix nice and easily, so you can. You can I like. I like to mix colours mm. as well, just use them straight out of the pot. So. And are you a are you a paintbrush licker? Uh, yeah, yeah. So that that just rules out enamel straight away, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, yeah, yeah. I've done that. Um, I've just discovered weathering, uh, enamel weathering. Uh, 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 yeah. Oh wow, it's fantastic! So on, on vehicles, on ships. Oh, you're all right. Yeah, yeah. so um, rust streaks, and yeah. grime. Uh, and I, I'm trying to use it on, on World War Two vehicles. And yeah, it's, it's, it's time consuming. Yeah, it looks it looks, am- it looks yeah, amazing. It um, and that's all enamel based. Yeah, um, and um, I've had to. Train myself and not lick the brush. Yeah, when you're repointing it, you yeah, because yeah, yeah. it, it kind of like, oh no, 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 no. And then you do it once or twice, and you, it does make you feel quite sick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've not got to the point of reading the contents of um, yeah. uh, AK Interactive Rust Streak uh, powder yeah, yet. Not, but not I'm sure, I'm yeah. sure it's not good for you. No. I'm really sure it's not. They don't. They certainly don't spread it on to. Um, uh, you know, bagels or anything no. like that, do they? So it's <laughs> it's not very good at all. When you're doing your uh, batches, then how how do you work? Do you block and then block all, then highlight all? How does it work? Yeah, I, 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 again, I just find it works for me in terms of getting through them. Is yeah. just do the block painting first, which includes mm-hmm. hands, face, and hair, and that kind of yeah. thing, and then things like cross belts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I'll do in the in the base coat. Get all of the base colours on, and yeah. then just highlight them in whichever order mm. works, depending yeah. on the figures, really. And, and do you, do you have a like a recipe book? Do you you know keep a right? I'm going to do this first, then that first, then that first, and 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 then it helps you do your 97th Battalion of French Infantry, or <laughs> or do you just kind of go at it? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, just, I, I I'm pretty sort of stoical about it, really. To be honest. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, if for somebody else, it's my job. If they're for me. Do you want them or not? You know, yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's a very pragmatic uh, <laughs> yeah. way of way of look, way of looking at it for sure. If we if we had a little time machine and we went back to you know Steve Sham painter thirty years ago or twenty five years ago, and you looked at those figures then to now, how has your style um, developed over the years? Um, 
style i'm not i'm not sure it's yeah. changed that much i've just got better at it you know because the, the one thing about the hobby is you, you don't find anybody that says oh no i'm sorry that's a trade secret i'm not telling you yeah you know you, you go to a show and you say wow that's a really nice effect how do you do it they'll yeah. tell you they'll in detail or if you contact them online they'll, they'll tell you uh and you know i make no bones about it that's how i've learned a lot yeah. from just what other people have told me some people will tell you you've not even asked them no <laughs> they tell me stuff and it's like yeah. i'm not Oh really? Yeah, I've never done, I've never painted a horse before. Thanks for that. A lot of it's practice as yeah. well. It's just yeah. just just putting the hours in. Yeah, and I mean, you get that, that thing where they say if you do ten thousand hours at anything, you'll be really good at it. Yeah, but I think there's probably yeah, there's, 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 there's truth, truth, truth and yeah. for sure. But when you when you look back at stuff you did years ago, are you still proud of what you did and still happy with what you did? Oh. Or, or is that? That we talked about earlier on that perfectionist is kind of going <laughs> oh, I want to go back and change it well usually it, it develops gradually so yeah. you'll make little improvements you might discover a brown that works slightly better on mustard yeah. stocks yeah. so it's, yeah that's yeah. neither here nor there really but there are some things that you just that mixtures of colours mm. that suddenly think oh yeah I mean that's miles better than yeah. that brown by mixing that brown and this before or yeah. whatever it is that, yeah, that's it. And then you look back on the previous ones and they're, they're duller, they're dark. And, you know, figures age like we do. You yeah, know, exactly. They, yeah. they varnish discolours and, you know, mm. they get a certain amount of damage over the years. But Yeah. Have you got any techniques that you have fallen in love with now, love, love and in love and out of love? Because I washing faces is, for me, because when, when we had the Winsor and Newton Nut Brown and um, there was another one, with a squirrel on, a red, like a reddy brown. Right. Um, I, I was washing all my faces, and then I thought, oh, I don't really like that. And mm. Then I started not washing my faces, then I started doing it again when <laughs> um, GW Devil and Mud came out, and then I've stopped mm. doing it. I don't wash my face, the faces at all now. Yeah. Um, I just use, you know, a, a dark to light colour scheme on it. Yeah. Is there anything, any techniques that you've used and stopped and maybe come back to? No, normally if I stop something, it's for a good it's, reason. It's right. <laughs> Shit, <laughs> yeah, this isn't as good as it should be. So, yeah, if, if if I find something that works better, I'll switch. Unless a customer says, "Well, don't," because I want them all to look the same, yeah. even if it's according to your yeah. perfectionist point of view, not not as good. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm quite happy with it to so leave it alone. But yeah. yeah, normally if I find something that's better, that yeah. Yeah, I switch yeah. and stick with it. No worries. Um, the the um, sticky. Just a question of varnish. <laughs> oh, so many different uh, possibilities with this. What, what's your, what's your varnish? The figures I paint get used. So once they're painted, I'll give them a good coat of Humbrol gloss enamel varnish. Get it hard as nails. Hard as nails. You can bounce them off the floor and. Go, I, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that the British Army don't make tanks out of that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh, it, it, it does it does the job, yeah. but it's glossy. So it's then a question of, of, of get, how do you get how do you mat it down? Um, and I, I just use a, a matte spray. Yeah. Any particular brand or of recent years, the the the, the mini bit stuff that oh, right, Dracom yeah. do. Yeah, um, oh, that's good. Yeah, the, the I think it's the Elite one. I think it's called. That's that's very matte. Um, I know some people prefer the other one, which is a, a more sort of a matte sheen to it. Yeah. But um, yeah, and is, is that is that your preferred way of a figure looking to be? Pure matte, or do you like a little bit of a shine on it? Um, usually, I like a matte. Personally, yeah. it, it, as long as you can keep the colour mm. vibrancy, and that's that—that that can be a bit of an issue sometimes. Yeah, yeah. 
because we went through that period in the um, a bit like Kipper ties, really. Um, we went from really gloss, didn't we? Yeah. For was the Vogue with kind of the toy soldier look, mm. and then I seem to remember in the nineties we were all into satin coat, which was kind of halfway between half the two. Yeah. And now it's dull, matte, yeah, really, yeah. really dull. Apart from that blog, is it unfashionable and shiny? Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> good they, they really are glossy. Aren't they? Yeah, good lad for holding out. We don't. Yeah, yeah good. <laughs> still, still, still looks good. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it, it, it's very good indeed. Basing then? Do you do basing for customers? Almost always. Yeah, yeah. And do you find that easier to present a completed unit rather than? Because I, I, you know, when I did it years, it's years ago now, obviously. But when I handed something over in a box mm. and it was all laid out and ready for somebody else to base, I kind of finished. Felt like I hadn't finished them. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, that, that's. I, I usually I don't do that because they want the basing. Mm. But yeah, I, I have done that. And it, it feels a bit sort of mm, this isn't really finished, you know. Yeah. But, but some people are uh, like I. I have a distinctive basing style. That even if I wanted to change, I can't change now because mm. everything is in that way. Yeah. All my terrain is that way. Yeah. So there was one, there was one guy, one of my internet friends, who came on and complained and said my basing was really basic and I need to up it and up my game and all this sort of stuff. Okay. Um, and um, the army that he was talking about won a painting prize. <laughs> so I emailed him back with a picture of the prize and said, <laughs> God, if I'd done my basing better, I could have won it twice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's no place in so many ways. Yeah, there isn't. There isn't, mate. It, it's and what's your basing style and how how do you do it? Once the figures are stuck down, I, I use sort of little modelling knives and put um, tile ground. I use tile ground because yeah. um, it's it's nice and easy to manipulate. Yeah. And I usually use a coloured one as well, so it gives me a bit of chips off. Um, and then sprinkle you know the usual mm. you know sharp sand and gravel stones, whatever. Mm. Um, let it dry. I, I always seal it with chocolate brown. Just, mm. you know, again, let that dry. And yeah. it's, there's three lots of dry brushing just to sort of get, you know, the, the, texture. the colour, the texture and colour yeah. that I want. Mm. And then, yeah, if, if I want to use grass and tufts, mm. then, yeah. yeah. But that, that's changed. I mean, I, years ago, I used to do the old sort of Peter Gilder with the, the sand mixed with the, to do yeah. it that way. But I could never get it to look quite the way I wanted. Whereas I, I finally got better results with this. I, I, I tend to do that. And are you, are, you a, are you a grass tufts aficionado? Have you got a big... Bag of grass tufts, so you you're not into that because you, you can buy anything now. You, can, you can't. I, I I try not to overdo it because I think some of them look a bit can look a bit busy. Yeah, you know, like it's it's you know, for Chelsea Flower Show on yeah. you know, on display. Right? No, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not so keen on that. I, I I tend to use these sort of um, sort of aridy earth coloured ones because yeah. I find the contrast nicely with the with yeah. the green grass. Um, so again, it's sort of it's basic, but it's effective. And mm. like you, I tend to, all my stuff's based the same. So yeah. Because I, I go on to War Painter is where I get my tufts from. And yeah. I go onto that website and they'll be like mixed flowers and heather and I just can't help myself. I have to buy one of each. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I come to base stuff and it's like, ooh, ooh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rabbit stuck in the headlights because you can't pick the right one. <laughs> yeah. Can't pick the right one. Um, so um, just a few things to, to go through because we, we, as we finish off, um, it's kind of, I don't think it's a thorny thing. If, a, if somebody comes to you and says, um, I want these figures painted, but I want them painted like Doug Mason or like like Ken Riley. Do you do that? <laughs> There's an obvious answer, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, fuck <laughs> off. Um, well, no, no, go to Doug Mason or get a Ken Riley. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but do you change your style for people if they ask? No, the, the, the only thing 
I'll, I'll try and do is if they've got figures that they've bought, is I'll try. I, I will try and match mm. to an extent the, the yeah. colours because uh, you, know, you can mix them and you can get quite subtle differences yeah. in shades. So I'm quite happy to try and match a colour shade, but yeah. not not a painting style because I, yeah. I, I don't think you can. Not really. And have you ever had any completely ridiculous customer requests that you've just gone no? <laughs> <laughs> No, no, you've been no, all right. No, you've been all right. I've been all right. Yeah. No. Will you do? No. <laughs> uh, you know, you know the sort of people who ask those questions, and it's like no. So that leads me on to to an interesting question that I've asked a couple of people who are, who work in the hobby, and it's how do you draw that line between you and things for you, and you and things for your business? Yeah. Um... Well, what, what I tend to do is at the start of the month, I'll say, okay, these are the figures I've got to paint for the people. There's usually a big pile of them. So yeah. this is what I need to do this month. So I'll take those figures out and I'll prep them. And by the end of the month, those need to be done. And if it's going well, then I'll mm. I'll add in stuff of yeah. my own to do on top. Um, but I, to be honest, I'm, I'm sort of easing off now. and I'm pretty much part-time. So I've got a bit more time because I wanted, I wanted to do a bit more writing, like I was alluding to before. Yeah. and. Um, we've got a granddaughter now as well. Sure. You know, I've got other other priorities, yeah. other things I want to do, and yeah. so yeah, maybe at the end of this year, I might I might even stop altogether. You know, so w- once I do, <laughs> my, that's my a... own collection. <laughs> yeah, it's because I'm so accustomed to painting numbers of figures that my, my collection, which is pathetic at the moment, mm. will grow. But so no, it, it hasn't really. Well, it's stopped me from painting the stuff for myself that I would yeah. like. But you know, but you say you've eased off, off a little bit now, but if we go back to like a full on. Mm. full steam ahead yeah um how would would you be um quite regimental in the way that you would run your day would you start at a certain time have a meal break finish at a certain time or would you be more flexible Um, around i I put the hours in that's for sure yeah but i mean one of the drawbacks of working for yourself and working at home is that you're never really away from it it's just a a few steps down into the cellar and you know that my wife says look "Mm." It's Saturday or it's Sunday or yeah, you know yeah, yeah. maybe you've done enough for the week. Um, so yeah, it, it does intrude. I, I don't think anyway. You can, you can yeah. get around that. I mean, I'm disciplined in the sense that I put the hours in. It sort of bleeds yeah. into into your your private life as well. Yeah. Having done it, I know it's a long time ago now when I, when I did it, but there is a um, a little bit of being on your own and and being kind of in your own little. Um, bunker in your case, yeah, you're in the yeah. cellar, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. You're down in the cellar. Um, listen to something. Do you have the radio on? What kind of keeps you ticking over yeah. during well, the day? I think that's one of the big, big positives mm. from what I do is that yeah. I've got that space to. Yeah. So, you know, if I want to listen to some music, I'll listen to some music. But mm. I tend to listen to a lot of, you know, either audio books or pod- yeah. podcasts, of yeah, course. Yeah. You know, now that now that I've got a, uh, I've entered the twenty first century and got a proper mobile phone, I can I can listen to stuff on YouTube and I mean the stuff that's on there yeah, is just amazing. unbelievable. I mean yeah. anything you want to know about, you can you can listen to a lecture on it from an expert. It's, yeah. So it, it's 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 been a second education really having, yeah. having that opportunity. Well, yeah, it's if you fancy, it's an opportunity to like learn new languages and learn new skills and stuff. Yeah. If you just have it on in the background, yeah. I mean, I, 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 yeah, I. I, I I try and keep my Spanish up, so I mean, I'll listen to maybe Spanish radio because, because with the internet, you can log on yeah, to yeah. channels and listen to yeah. it live, or I'll, you know maybe some mm. some program that a Spanish teacher's doing that I can yeah. I can sort of listen to that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's that that's a big possibility. Yeah. And um, obviously, apart from the Yorkshire Gamer 
podcast. Um, what what sort of stuff do you listen to? We we've talked about the Spanish stuff. Do you? Um, I mean, I've I've recently I've been listening to Stephen Fry reading Sherlock Holmes books. They're yeah. really good. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, the rest is history. That is a really good podcast. Mm. Uh, and Death Row Diaries as well, because I've got a bit of work-related stuff in there. Um, so what is there anything series or anything that you'd recommend to anyone or um, that you listen to a lot? I like that Radio 4 programme that Melvin Bragg does in our mm. time. That's, I mean, it's a, a real smorgasbord of subject. You know, it can be sort of history one week and philosophy the next and yeah. art the next. You know, it's, and yeah, they don't all necessarily appeal, but they're always mm. interesting. So I'll listen to those. Yeah, they are. But they, I've, I've listened to a, f- to a few of them, mostly history stuff. Yeah. They, they did one on Garibaldi a couple of mm. years ago. Mm. Um, and that's what, kind of where I picked it up. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's very good. Yeah. And very good. So do you find yourself having stuff that ticks your brain over? While you you're doing the, I, I, the I rarely pair of boots, yeah, <laughs> I, I rarely paint in silence. So yeah. I, I like to have something yeah. on. Oh, that's good, good to hear. Um, so just just finally from yourself then, um, and we we spoke earlier on, and you said there's no magic uh, tips to it. So there'll be there'll be quite a few people listening to this who maybe don't paint a lot or maybe starting the journey in painting. So. Be brutally honest as you like, because I will. Um, <laughs> um, what what would you say to somebody new to starting painting, or or tips for people who are listening about? Well, painting? there is one element of it that is really really simple. Unless mm. you practice, you're not going to get better. Yeah, it, it, that that's really it. Because mm. your first efforts, you're then automatically going to compare them with things that you've seen, yeah. and that's not going to that's mm. not going to be favourable, is it? It can't be. Yeah, you know, it goes back to what I said about all the variations of terrain i've done mm. over the years you know it's taken yeah. you know decades to get to where i want to be yeah. but yeah we, we, anybody that is willing to put in a bit of effort mm. can learn to paint to a decent standard with some practice mm. that that really is all there is to it yeah there is no yeah. magic to it I, i've got i've got to i've got to agree with that and I, i've if i said anything on top of that it would be don't be um intimidated by those people's painting yeah because sometimes people will go oh i love that ship you've done or that pipe block you've done I'll never be able to paint like that yeah. and listen listen to me now because there are people that I look at and I go I'd never be able to do that um, and it doesn't matter it, no. it's about getting something on the table that you're proud of there, there are a few painters that are just exceptional yeah you know, I, I don't know whether they're great to art college or whatever, but they mm. just seem to have an understanding of colour and how Cheat. to use it. Cheating, that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Cheating. I don't know how they do it, well, they're cheating. And, you know, I, I, I look at their work and, yeah, I, I, I accept I'm not going to be able to sort of do that. Yeah. Even if I spent did spend two hours to figure out. It's because it's, mm. it's, it's, I don't know, it's just a knack. It's just a, yeah. a technique that mm. they've got. But, yeah, yeah, you're right. If you can produce stuff that you can put on the table and think, yeah, they look good on the table. Yeah. I think we've I think we we've, we've talked about it before. We we both understand that the level of uh, work that needs to go into something for it to look good in a big unit on the table, and that's very very different to winning these golden demon prizes that the yeah. Warhammer uh, people do. And if you're coming from GW, it's a different style, isn't it? You you know you haven't got well in our cases you haven't got a twenty figure army. You you haven't got a unit with twenty figures in. You, everything is 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 bigger, and it's a different style, isn't it? A different way. Yeah, it it is. And I mean, I, I reckon I don't know, maybe twenty minutes a figure. Yeah, is is what I would look at. Mm. 
that if you paint them one at a time, that's not doable. Yeah. But if you paint them 30, 40 at a time, yeah. Yeah, you can do yeah, I reckon mm. twenty minutes, something like that. Yeah, so up. is what a battalion of thirty six taking you maybe a day and a half, something like yeah, that? Yeah. That, 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 yeah. Yeah, and then you have got to prep them before and base yeah. them afterwards, but mm. you know, yeah, I, actual, I tend to do that in big batches anyway. Yeah. So and so the painting itself is, is it's, it's yeah. a, I think it's that's about right. And you can get a good result in that. That's very reasonable. very, very reasonable. Um well, I'd like to thank you very much for your time today, Steve. Um and it, it took me a bit of persuasion to get you on. But, um <laughs> I'm so glad you've done it because we've spoken about so many things um, and um, it, it, it's made me realise how much you've done and I hope it's made you realise how much you've actually done in Army because <laughs> you kind of forget. I mean, yeah. you know, you were saying, you knew, like, I can't remember the first um, the first article I did. No. <laughs> it's like no, so long you, ago. You, you've reminded me of quite a few things, yeah. Well, because I said, I said to my wife, well, Ken's asked me to do this. Oh, I'm not sure. I'm, I, I can't. Yeah. I can't what, I think what I'd say, I mean, what have I done? Yeah. She says, well, just think of yeah. stuff that you've done in the hobby over the last 30 odd years. I thought, yeah. well, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I, I can make people talk. Yeah. Trust me. I'd notice that. Yeah. 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 Well, I've, I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank <laughs> you very much. We always finish with uh, an opportunity for you to ask me a question if you've got one. <laughs> if you haven't. <laughs> no, no. As a matter of fact, I have. I, 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 you've probably been asked this before. No. But, what what made you do this the, the podcast because you, you, you're setting yourself up for a lot of trouble aren't you really aren't yeah you? um but um those of you who know what i do for a living i'm quite used to being in trouble, yeah so yeah. Uh, that's not really an issue um if uh, somebody's coming at me with some pointy words it's a lot better than somebody coming at with me with a pointy knife yes or, or, or worse so uh, I've, I've whatever you're going to say on the internet i've had worse <laughs> A lot worse. Um, so um, and maybe one day when I retire, I'll, I'll tell some of those stories on the podcast. Um, but uh, it was very much... Um, um, I've t- I have told the story before on here before, but I'm quite happy to, to tell it again. Um, I changed jobs in that I changed locations. So I was going from a 20-minute commute to an hour-and-a-half commute. Mm. Um, so I was looking for things to listen to. So I started listening to music and... Um, I love music, but I was kind of getting fed up with it. And so I started to listen to talk radio. And um, regardless of which side of the political spectrum you are on, listening to people on talk radio is, is you're just ready to jump out of the window straight yeah. away because um, nobody can nobody can rationally debate about anything anymore. You're either you're either a Marxist or a Nazi. There's nothing in between. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, there's so many different topics where you can have a centralist point of view on it. But if you slightly trip away from what the narrative is, you are either a Marxist or a fascist. So I kind of gave up with that because I was just shouting at the time. So then I discovered a podcast called The Veteran Wargamer with um, Jay Arnold in America. Hmm. Um, and he is literally a veteran soldier who wargames. And um, I kind of started listening to that. And he doesn't do a lot of stuff that I'm into. But I just kind of, it's like War Games Radio. It's like War Games geeks talking to each other. And mm. I, whatever it is, I'm interested in it. So then I started to pick more and more of these podcasts up. Um, Henry's Battle Chat, um, God's Own Scale. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it. But one thing that really got my goat was that they, it was all skirmish-based. And there was a lot of comments on there like, oh, well, you can't do that in 28 mil. And, you know, oh, 30-foot table, that's that's not possible. Uh, and I'm sat there thinking, <laughs> God, I do that. Yeah. I do that all the time. And then uh, my good mate Sean 
Clark um, uh, on his God's Own Scale podcast. He had Pete Berry on from Bacchus. Oh, yeah. And, and Pete, Pete was going on. He says, oh, and I, I've just... I mean, he's, he's evangelical about six mil. And I do love the guy. And I do get on with him quite well. And he's going to come on the show. Um, but he's going... Oh, and I've just seen this picture in... in uh, Wargame Soldiers and Strategy. It was a it was a British eight inch howitzer inch howitzer in twenty eight mil. Well, you can never use that anywhere, and it's absolutely ridiculous. And you would have to set it up thirty feet away from where it was firing <laughs> and all this stuff. Um, and that was my howitzer. <laughs> that was my eight inch howitzer. And I'd um, um, Henry Hyde had asked me some for some pictures for an article he was going to do, so I sent him some. Um, so. I was up here, and occasionally I'll bring a little tot of whiskey up with me to, and I had a few. Um, and I went right, you bastard! Yeah, right, you're having it. Um, so I put a tweet out and said, "Right, is the room for a war games podcast specifically about twenty eight mil war gaming, big tables, all that sort of stuff?" And then fell asleep. I woke up in the morning, completely forgot about it, and there's like one hundred and twenty nine bloody <laughs> things on me on me um, Twitter. And um, all of them saying, yeah, it's a brilliant idea. It's a brilliant idea. Um, And since I started it, I've very much tried not to... I'm not being negative about any other style of gaming. What I'm trying to do is go, here's big gaming. This is mostly 28mm, although I'm not... I'm scale agnostic. I'm quite happy Mm. to have, like Jerry does with the big big units with 10mm. And have people on and talk about... That what they think of big gamers and have a, a general discussion. You know, if you play bolt action or um, skirmish games, there are loads of podcasts out there for you. Mm. So I thought for the for at that stage, the five people who I knew who still did big games, I thought, well, this is for you. Um, and now regularly over 2,000 people listen. I think what we said earlier, that there are a lot of groups like us out there, just yeah. anonymous, quiet guys that have known each other for donkey's years, that yeah. are lucky enough to have big collections yeah. and somebody's got a big table and that's mm. what it's happening. Yeah. And, and like yourself, people like to listen to stuff they're interested in yeah. whilst painting, you know, whilst I mean, war gamers, if we could uh, if we could harness the energy used by war gamers pottering around war games room and not actually doing anything we would solve the global climate crisis in about 30 seconds just be like little heat pads on our feet or something because we do nothing before you came i must have spent two hours moving stuff from one side of the table to the other and then you're like a butterfly aren't you you go oh I forgot about that. Yeah. Where's that come from? Oh, well, I'll put that in this pile here. I've got two books in there, Italian Wars books I'm supposed to be reviewing on YouTube channel. Oh, right. And I forgot about them. And I've now, I'm just looking over there and realise I've just put something else on top of them. So I've already <laughs> forgotten about them, having remembered them earlier. Yeah, your wargaming filing system is fairly yeah. Yeah, eccentric. Yeah. yeah, I do I do like to have a little bit of stuff there. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's brilliant, Steve. Thanks very much for coming on. It's, Thanks for doing the show. It's been a pleasure. Um, and if you'd just like to say good night to everyone. Good night, everyone. Good night.
Well, I hope you're all still with us. Uh, just over three hours. I didn't quite expect that when I uh, started to put it all together. Uh, I didn't realise we'd gone that far. But I enjoyed the chat with Steve. And sometimes uh, when you're talking with uh, old friends, uh, the conversation does go on a little bit longer. But if you're painting, think of all those extra figures you've painted during the time that this uh, episode has been on. Big thanks for Steve to coming on the show he was a little bit apprehensive as we said at the end there um, but I think he did a cracking job and uh, if you're interested in anything that Steve does then uh, I'll put a link to uh, Steve's Nations in Arms uh, blog uh, on wherever this is being listened to so you can pop down and have a look at Steve's figures and his publications etc um, very very good excellent painter and uh, hit the scenario books are highly recommended as I said in the interview itself if they were rubbish I'd tell you uh, and I would have told Steve during the interview but they're not they're really really good really high quality uh, literally straight on a table play the game everything you need is there so that's Steve, uh, episode 40. Episode 41 is uh, hopefully going to be in three weeks' time. I'm going to, although we've just been two weeks between this episode and the Martin Kelly one, that was in relation more to scheduling. And I am planning an episode every three weeks and guests are now booked in all the way up to July. So the next open date I've got is uh, August. So uh, and there's still loads of people on my list I want to speak to and uh, loads have uh, come to mind uh, every now and again. But unfortunately, I can't fit everybody in um, without doing this on a daily or weekly basis. And that uh, with me working, that just isn't possible. So um got some great guests lined up for you between now and the autumn and uh, some really big names, some fantastic uh, people you might not have heard of who are um, very influential to me or the hobby. So the next episode, episode uh, 41, is going to be with a chap called Nicholas Schofield. Now, Nicholas is not a war gamer. He, he has dabbled in the past, um, but uh, he's seen sense and uh, moved off. But he is an historian, or he's an author, who's written a book called Victorian Crusaders, British and Irish Volunteers in the Papal Army, 1860-70. to 70. Now, any of you who follow my stuff uh, outside of the podcast will know that this is a period of history I'm extremely interested in, and I've said many times on here, I'm interested in people's mindsets and people's motivations to fighting wars that aren't necessarily on their doorstep but are maybe for a cause in which they uh, particularly believe in look very much uh, like the uh, the international brigades and the spanish civil war is one that i uh, have particular interest in uh, and uh, the irish Vol and british volunteers in the papal army is another one so it's going to be a bit of a different episode um it's not going to follow the usual format it's it's a bit of indulgence for me because i really enjoyed this book and and the period um but it's a if it works well and everyone enjoys it then it's going to give me another option for a different type of show um 
just to slot in with the ordinary ones that I do in the brews in the vineyard and the catch-up episodes. All of those are just different things to keep me interested and hopefully you interested as well. Uh, so thanks for sticking with me during this really long interview. I hope you have a great couple of three weeks and uh, I'll see you very shortly with a new episode. Until then, see you